what do football and Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap have in common? Uh, I don't know. Both never came home. Scent in Catalan, French and Esperanto. Cento in Italian, cant in Welsh, the boiling point of water. The Roman numeral is C. It's the natural number following 99 and preceding 101. In medieval context, it may be described as the short hundred or five score in order to differentiate the English and Germanic use of hundred to describe the long hundred of six score or 120. We're talking about 100. If a person who lives to be 100 is called a centenarian, how then do you mark a century partnership in the land of pod? A couple of senopods? A couple of pod centurions? How about we just stick with Luke Gledall and Richard Miller? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Chef for Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host is Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you for such a, a lovely kind of Doughboysian intro that you went into there. I did enjoy that very, very much. So as part of kind of some of the festivities and um, I'm kind of reaching into my Luke's bag of tricks here, <laughs> I actually went ahead, Rich, and decided to, on this blowout occasion, kind of make up for some of the intros that you've given me by providing and doing a number of ones for yourself. Oh, lovely. Okay. So, welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Lou Gledel, and joining me as ever is, we've got 99 problems, but a rich ain't one, as we have Richard Miller. <laughs> Someone call Elton John, as the rich is back, it's Richard Miller. The man who depresses Wednesday Ike Kendrick Lamar, he'll make you also say, rich don't kill my vibe, it's Richard Miller. <laughs> And once again, thanks to Wednesday, his heart is in the basement and his weekend is at an all-time low. It's Queen Rich, Richard Miller. <laughs> and finally, and now the man who motivated the Wednesday players on our training ground experience in 2011 with a quote, you want a Maserati and a hot body, you've got to work, Rich. That's right. And also like Britney, is it's also stuck in a conservative, conservative ship from Gravy Industries, it's Richard Miller. <laughs> oh. Tremendous. And there you go. That's all I've got for you today. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah. Our hundredth episode, Luke. It's, mm. uh, you know, they said it could never happen. And we've, we've really shown them. We have stuffed it up um, in, uh, <laughs> with quite the aplomb. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a touch of Doughboys with my intro. I, I have to say, um, uh, not fit to to lace Weiger's boots, really, but uh, uh, I, I gave it a go, and I'm glad you appreciated. Um, I've got my own little uh, surprise, so mm -hmm. I will play this uh, for you. It might be um, it might be uh, better to sort of tag it on the end for folks to to hear a bit clearer. Uh, but we'll. Uh, uh, and, but anyway, I've done a little song. It's a very little song, uh, and it took me too many takes. <laughs> When I wake up, when I'm 
know it's Saturday I'm gonna watch the match and talk it out with Luke When I announce who my co-host's gonna be No matter what nonsense I say, it's always Luke Don't forget me, it happens almost every week I'm gonna feel better once I wallow with Luke And if we ever manage to get a spawny win I'll wring every bit of joy from it with Luke Thank you so much. That's beautiful. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in so it's in the full quality. I don't know if we uh, if I, I managed to stifle my laughs, but I'll, I'll probably dub that mildly mildly dub it low in the mix. And I'll do the editing for this. And Ridge, I have a surprise for you. So Ooh. if you check your WhatsApp, oh, you'll see a little something. Oh, how nice. Do you want to play it out? Oh, yeah, I'm just it's uh my my fantastic internet is uh is catching up, but here we go. Mm -hmm. Hi Luke, hi David. I'd like to wish you all the best for your hundredth episode of your podcast, Different Gravy. Uh great memories I had at Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, some not so great. My penalty miss against the arch enemy, United. Luckily, what I come up with the winner, so we still beat them live on Sky. Loads of great memories with great atmosphere. Fans were amazing. And hopefully one day, who knows, might be back in some capacity. I'm currently under 23's coach at West Bromwich Albion. So who knows? Watch this space. <laughs> so a few notes here. So basically, this is really interesting. So that's Dion Burton for different gravy. Um, someone who I can't really remember what he sounds like. I don't think he ever really did much interviews at Wednesday. <laughs> and also someone who is either either hasn't read the request properly or he's so kind of in tune and he knows you so well, Rich, that he knows that your middle name is David. So he referred to you yes. as David <laughs> during the process. So I don't quite know where that comes from. Also, <laughs> a lot of interesting things to kind of pick over here. For, I mean, it's it's great to have Dion Burton on in in such a small capacity and I, I I like that format I think I'd like to do that I think I'd never like to talk to football players in real life as we can probably get on to a bit later in the podcast there's a little bit of uh Freddie foreshadowing there um <laughs> his favorite it was his best memory of what being at Wednesday was missing a penalty against Sheffield United <laughs> I completely forgot. I actually wiped that from my memory. I remembered, like, I had to actually, in preparation for this, go back and watch that game. That was the home win against the Pigs in the double year, in the Derby I double see, year. Yes. That was the 1 0 that Steve Watson lift over Paddy Kenny. Yeah. I'm like, he missed a penalty. I'm like, yes, he did. Wow. I don't remember that either. Yeah, it was the beginning of the second half. I think he had a. James O'Connor was felled in the box, I believe, and wow. upstepped Dion Burton in one of his. I, I wanted to ask him because I, I I thought like he would come out with like that rich vein of form when he joined. Or like um, 
that game against Norwich, he absolutely just he, he ran the show. It was tremendous. That mm. yeah, that sort of that, that was the game where we sort of started in trouble, relegation trouble, and finished mm. like twelfth or something stupid. It was really mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the table afterwards and like, why on earth were we worried? But uh, oh, that that's it's very sweet. <laughs> you know, he might he might. I come back in some capacity as well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I will say though, like he's I, looking I, well. I have to say he he looks very very fine fettle, you know. Yeah. But he always like a man. I I think I I know his Wikipedia page is a because you always have that weird weird world with Wikipedia pictures that there has to be kind of public domain. Oh, and yeah, there can't domain, be anything yeah. that's actually given or you know taken by a, a club photographer or anything like this. And there's yeah. a shot with him with his shirt off and he's looking oh, yeah. absolutely jacked. And I think that was probably about the time he was probably kind of early 30s, but he's always looked in great shape. And um, the funny thing he was saying was like, I'd, I'd love it if he came back in some capacity at the club. <laughs> but, you know, he's saying, well, I'm under 23 coach at West Brom. And I'm like, that's really, that's a really good fucking deal, Dion. You've done really job, well. Yeah. That's a really good job. Please yeah. don't. Careful what you wish for. Please don't leave the academy at West Brom to go work at <laughs> That's really, really good. So, uh no, no, it was uh, genuinely, it was, it was really, really nice. <laughs> it, yeah, a man that was playing until not, you know, not that long ago. No, no, it, he's, had a, he's had a very long career. And I think probably if you do it for that long, it probably shows that he's got a lot of love for the game. So Absolutely. Not I a bad was, season as well. He was at Worcester, yeah. and he played 23 times, got five goals. Mm. There's still, uh, there still life in the old dog. And sure, and you've, and you've also, while you've brought this up on your phone or your computer, you've also kind of right-click and save that image of him looking jacked, of right, Of course, Rich? absolutely. Yeah. Definitely one for the uh, the old the old bank. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I also, in the request, said, you know, Rich and I remember you being the talismanic player who could take it down for, you know. <laughs> up front I don't, I don't know if he maybe took offense to that maybe because that was kind of more the latter end of Dion Burton right I guess yeah Bill probably thinks of himself as a I oh, not striker I'll stop talking I feel like I'm just very effective thinking. operator but thank you so much what a treat mm. to hear from uh, Dion Burton mm. duh, 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 as you say himself I'm duh, 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 different gravy <laughs> exactly I do. I mean, we're, we're the sort of the theme of today's episode is we're going to share some of our favourite Wednesday memories, and uh, it's not one of my absolute favourites. But I do remember having a real struggle that first season back in the Championship under Paul Sturrock, and uh, we signed, you know, getting the the late Christmas present of signing him and Tudgay on on New Year. They played on New Year's Day. Uh, so they were. So they, I think they both had to sign on loan technically to play that day, and it was just just night and day from uh, you know looking like we couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo to uh, really giving that cow's backside a whopping. It was uh, a treat. <laughs> yeah. So Luke, the theme of our hundredth episode, we decided uh, before we sink our teeth into current Wednesday and uh, all that's included there, we wanted to look back at some of our favourite Sheffield Wednesday memories. And we also requested some 
input from from listeners which uh we, we've been nice enough to to, to have a, a a few responses there and we've picked out a couple to to focus on uh that are particularly uh nice and uh so first off um we've got paul who's who's contributed previously and uh he says that uh, i'm dating myself but my memory stretches back to my time as a young boy in sheffield during the 1966 fa cup run I still remember sitting in my mother's childhood home in Grantham, uh, home of more than one Iron Lady based on my personal experience, very good, um, watching a rebroadcast of the FA Cup semi-final with my dad. I vaguely remember a 2-0 result with my dad giving me a heads up just before each goal. Uh, my dad was a season ticket holder and I can still see the joy on his face as he headed off to Wembley a few weeks later with his scarf and wooden clacker. Um, I don't even recall watching the game, but the result has been imprinted on my mind to this day. We take defeat so much more personally at a young age, and I was devastated by the loss to Everton. Uh, I recently found a highlight reel of the game on YouTube, which I tried to watch with my now 84-year-old dad. He watched the first two Wednesday goals. He muttered something about key defensive injury and then told me to turn it off. I know how it, how it ends, he said in disgust. Um, so... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I think that's it's interesting because sometimes, personally, one of my my favourite memories is of a semi final, and you don't you know don't necessarily remember the final. Um, <laughs> and it's funny how those things happen. You know, mm. I think I think uh, we naturally kind of <laughs> airbrush some of the bits out, particularly when we have such good strong memories mm-hmm. uh, that. Um, yeah, you you can you can look back and focus on those good good bits and pieces and almost in isolation. Uh, so yeah, that's very nice. Paint, painting a, a pretty uh, strong picture of the age as well with the the scarf and the wooden clacker. As well. I, I love the line about going off to Wembley with his scarf and wooden clacker. Like uh, yeah, that that really a really paints a picture. But also maybe I like to kind of weirdly think about it like someone with a stick and bindle. But that's all that he. He owns. That's all that he needed to get to Wembley. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I I didn't chat to my my dad, but my my dad has some kind of strong memories around the '66 FA Cup final. So. Mm. Yeah, sort of formative. I think. Imagine if you're if you're if you're of a certain age, that would be. Probably sets a uh, probably sets a more realistic tone than the one that you and I had in our early days, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> a bit good, but a bit of a real hefty dose of disappointment. Uh, whereas, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we there was there was cup finals as well for, uh, for those of us who uh, came of age in the 90s. So the, the other, um, we've got a really lovely uh, long email from uh, from Chris as well, and uh, he apologises for it. Uh, his email having turned into War and Peace, which is uh, which is uh, rather good. It's not it's not that long. It's uh, it's acceptable. <laughs> I think. I, I, I think mean, we also say that from the very much provision and guidance that this is probably going to be quite a long episode, and we're, we're kind of very much a long form Sheffield Wednesday podcast, aren't we? Really. Very much so. Yes. As we approach the, as we are on the hundredth episode, let us look back and remind ourselves, uh, Rich, of 
probably just under two years ago, like one of the early episodes of the 1920 season, Rich and I did a transfer special and we proclaimed early on that this will probably be our shortest episode. And then that kind of holds the record for the longest at about a whopping two hours 40. It's a wonder anybody stuck with us, really. I, I agree. I, I definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely agree. I'm sure Joe Rogan would listen to it and find it very boring because, you know, <laughs> even though we're at a similar length to his podcast, you know, we didn't go on to talk about, you know, how scary nature is and taking DMT. Yes. And just what, just what a, a big burly gorilla would do if it got hold of you. <laughs> In slightly scared tones, but definitely quite turned on tones as well. <laughs> oh, Jamie, pull up the clip. Jamie, pull up the clip. Uh, <laughs> so, so Chris's approach is to, yeah, flag up the uh, some some obvious <laughs> suggestions. We won't go into those, um, but to then try and pick some uh, some more obscure uh, off the beaten track options himself. So uh, he runs through uh, when we used to regularly beat Man United in the league at Hillsborough mm. uh, in the 90s. Those were huge games I, and Hillsborough was full to capacity and plenty of Man United fans in amongst the owls in the stands. Um, that Man United team in the 90s were uh, were awesome with Ince, Giggs, Bruce, Mark Hughes and the rest of them. So we were the underdogs that always seemed to rise to the occasion and play our very best football to match them. Hersey scored the winner a few times. Hard to believe it now, but we were a bit of a bogey team for them for a few years. That's a nice memory. I also remember this may, I may have layered on, you know, lots of um, shine and grease paint on this memory. Mm. But I, I, I seem to remember we would get the odd result against Liverpool as well. And in particular, we sort of figured out McManaman. We sat Peter Atherton on McManaman, and that kind of broke him in a way, because I think I, I feel like people f- did that afterwards. Now, this might a, be... He, he, was a, he was a fairly chunky chap, wasn't he, Peter Atherton? So. <laughs> and uh, McManaman, quite, a, quite a, uh, a, stringy, a string bean of a man. So it was a good combination. But in my head, that basically he had to go to Madrid because he'd been found out in the UK by Peter Atherton. But that that may have been completely made up by my memory, and I don't want to look it up and have my, you know, my fond memories broken. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Uh, uh, the second memory is, is Burnley away in 2003. Uh, we won there 7-2 after we'd already been relegated to Division mm-hmm. 3. Uh, the most Wednesday thing. We pulled an amazing performance out of absolutely nowhere in front of a sold-out partying away end. <laughs> it was surreal. Even Haslam, who was basically a weedy Pelupesi, scored. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a bit like Cardiff this year. An in- inexplicable, amazing performance and infuriating that they are so inconsistent. Yeah, wild, a wild, wild result. I, I, I do remember that one as well. <laughs> Very strange. Third was just the memory of De Canio, uh, the being and person of uh, of uh, Paolo De Canio. Uh, what a player. Lots of great memories of his magic for us, his tricks, temperament and goals. 
uh, and being gutted about the club's mismanagement of the Alcock Arsenal affair, which to me always seemed like a big sliding doors moment for our club. Sliding doors again. There's a lot of sliding doors in this podcast. We love nice sliding to revisit doors. Uh, and we we carried that to its extreme with um, with the candle that Mike smells like Stephen Fletcher's gooch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the thing that still rankles me to this day is Harry Redknapp indig- indignantly stirring things up on uh, Match of the Day that very night, saying Paolo should be banned, should never <laughs> kick a ball in English game again, only to then go on and sign him uh, for a measly 1.5 million. Uh, and I remember I remember us beating West Ham 3-1 on Paolo's first return to Hillsborough with West Ham in 2000 with Lampard, Ferdinand, Cole and Ruddock. We were awful that season, but that was one of the one of those days where the old girl was rocking and the fans were the 11th man. Did we have somebody sent off? I don't know. Um, and lifted, lifted the side. <laughs> what did... So, that, that, so there's some things that are sort of cusp of my memory and I, I do remember De Canio. I loved Carbone as well mm. and I probably still have somewhere a programme of Carbone challenging for a header with Colin Hendry which was rather the, rather a fun mismatch in terms of the size. It, it, was, all, it was almost an atherton McManaman esque tussle <laughs> in, in the mismatch of their, uh, their, their frames. It's interesting, isn't it, the De Canio thing? Because I, I, I think that's one of those things that time, the lesson we all take from that now is that the club mismanaged it. But I don't, I don't know whether they, I don't know how many options the club had. I also got the aspect of Dave Richards. Yeah, Dave Richards being pally his, pally. Uh, yeah, yeah, his pally pally relationship with the Premier League. Mm. Uh, then I, I think you've. I think it's also kind of very twinged with the viewpoint about Cantona, right? Like that's kind yeah. of seen as the gold standard. Yeah. Because you've had someone who's done something. I just, it's still think it'd be pretty outlandish today. It felt even more outlandish at the time. Absolutely. But then there's, I suppose there's the figures involved, you know, Alex, Ferg- uh, uh, Alex Ferguson has, a stature all his own and a place in the game. Yes. Yeah. Which probably let him insulate Cantona in a way that I don't know that there was anybody a strong enough character at Wednesday to do the same <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. That's very funny. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I I don't know. I, I think it's still gonna make people say but that's it's not the nature of football it's not the nature of football absolutely looking and obviously just peering over the the fence of a team's you know lush lush green you know lush green lawns and being like why can't we have that really yeah that beautiful green bays on the other side we're all being like an envious wilson from home improvement just (laughs) making our hats and our noses over people's fences but we're always naturally going to did you feel that Wilson was a a jealous figure? No, he was he wasn't. This is why I'm saying it's a jealous version because I don't know. He seemed like a nice, amiable character actor who only showed the top half of his uh, face. But um, Do you know that was actually he had a terrible accident. That was all that was left of him. <laughs> it was just the top half of his severed body just wheeled around on an office chair. Basically, just for just wheel wheel him in for the shots and wheel him out again. Yeah, 
just to kind of finish off that point, I think everyone just naturally thinks that that's the way to do it. And, you know, that's, I, I, I still mm. think it is. But I, I think... I also know, knowing Redknapp, I bet he would, he, as yeah. he was saying on, he should be banned. He probably was in touch with his agent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But that just okay. basically, just basically completely wheels out just everything that Harry Redknapp is about really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's just the complete wheeler dealer nature of him. Right. Which the media applauds, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, especially recently that Rich and I have been chatting about, it was last weekend, the McGregor um, Poirier fights. And it's just everything that is kind of bad and awful about his character is applauded, really. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know what happens in those situations where everyone kind of knows just what people are about and what they do, but people are there for the the theatrics and the show. And people mm. just don't seem to fundamentally care. So elements of that with Harry Redknapp and Conor McGregor. <laughs> yeah, very, two very similar characters in, in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Four is more of a collection of memories, a type mm-hmm. of memories. Uh, so uh, on reflection, my best memories of Wednesday are when the atmosphere at Hillsborough has been electric and the fans have lifted the team onto greater things. Uh, there were a couple of nights in Carlos's first season that were really special, beating Arsenal and Brighton under the lights. For Arsenal, it felt like we had a team of heroes where there was a real bond between manager, players and fans for the first time since Waddle, Palmer, Nielsen and the rest. We now had Sam, Kieran Lee, Wallace, Westy, Tom Lee, Bannon and the others uh, with the flowing football. The, Car- the Carlos had a dream song being on our way. The atmosphere uh, and experience at Hillsborough that night was the best I can remember since the 90s and just as good. Uh, so I'm so glad that young fans got a taste of it a night like that. And a night like nights like that got me hooked. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I did, yeah, that that was the most complete Carlos performance, I think, was the Arsenal game. Mm-hmm. To a point where it almost stifled us. I think clubs watched, you know, when like you've got tactics and plans uh, in place as a manager I think there's an element of some of it works, some of it doesn't work in the real world and I think in Ars- uh, in the Arsenal game, everything, the system just clicked, but seeing the system at 100% let everybody know what the plans were whereas mm-hmm. if some of the plans don't work some of the plans do work, it's like okay did they mean that to happen, did they not mean that to happen but like when, you know, when the whole machine is whirring in the way that, that, that Carlos had that uh, I'm saying whirring. I want to say purring. You know that Wednesday machine was purring against uh, against Arsenal, and I think it almost showed our hand a little bit to clubs. I think we struggled for a few weeks after that mm-hmm. um, because it's like okay, so they want to do X, so we'll stop them doing Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was a tremendous a tremendous evening, and and there's just something about night matches. I think. There are special occasions at three o'clock on a Saturday and there's special occasions even on early kickoff sometimes. But there's something beautiful about being in a football ground and going to a football ground in a dark, on a dark evening. You know, this sort of beacon 
this halo of light as you approach and things like that. And you, I don't know, you feel just sort of cocooned from the rest of the world. It's, um, it's a very special feeling, I think, watching a football match at, in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that, so having mentioned it previously, the, the semi-final against Brighton gets pulled out onto its own um, uh, as, as, even a better atmosphere than the glory days of the 90s, such an amazing night. The spontaneity of those phones going on, everyone bouncing and singing, just took my breath away, gave me goosebumps and sent shivers down my spine. Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, At times when I struggled during lockdown, watching the YouTube video of that, YouTube videos of that night has helped me. Um, I, I remember looking over at Chan Siri and thinking, that's it, he's felt this magic, he's addicted like us, he'll want more of this. Uh, yes, more's the pity now, of course. That was an unbelievable moment. Uh, and the, the, the I also think I would put hand in hand with it, not the whole game of the playoff final, because obviously we know what happened. But the fans staying behind and singing at the end, again, again, is a very special and I think a uniquely Wednesday moment. It's just very sad for me that that's, it's very sad we didn't take that feeling and 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 roll with it it didn't we didn't sort of build on that second in the in carlos's second season it's a it's a it's a, a real sort of sickener but we're talking about favorite memories and it just felt that again hairs on the back of your neck shivers down your spine being part of that crowd singing to these players who would who were devastated that they hadn't won you know, people saying afterwards the new Wembley had never made a noise like that. We didn't even know it could make a noise like that. That was a very special thing to be part of. And again, we can, in over time, we can forget what happened next in a way that I've sort of forgotten the game itself and just remembered the bit at the end where we were all singing our hearts out. Uh, so the final, final uh, choice from Chris is... Uh, saying that he loved our music show, which is very nice. We, mm. we we were so pleased with it. We loved the music show as well. Um, I also have the We Are The Owls CD and put it on in the car on the way to Hillsborough for the big games. I've always thought the match walk-on music is important to the experience. Hearing Sing The Blues and Hi-Ho Silver Lining on a sunny Saturday at Hillsborough is special. And can't wait to, to get back to Hillsborough mm-hmm. and hear these again. So lovely. Yeah. Just to, to pick up on that one. Do you do you remember a period when you know the club kind of changed hands and there was some work? I think it was Lee Strafford coming back. Do you do you remember there was a lull and I think thanks to maybe the Dave Allen regime or the Rudderless kind of mm. who wasn't really there, you know, the absentee yeah. absentee chairman. Yes, there was a lull with Waterfront not being played. Yes, where it had was, a period yeah. of coming back and then. I remember going to a game early on in Lee Strafford and was there with my dad and, you know, my dad saying, you know, being so taken, the fact that they put on Waterfront. Yeah. what It was a really, wasn't it like, it wasn't Let's Get Ready to Rumble, but it was that sort of a song, wasn't it, in between times? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really remember much from that time. You know, I don't, um, <laughs> you know, there's, we've talked about Luke's sabbatical, so Luke's I, sabbatical, sorry, I yeah. can't tell you about the thing that a lot of people are now start talk about, which was like, I was there for Russian and diamonds at home, <laughs> you know, which is kind of seen as like some Nadir of Wednesday. So 
Yeah, who, kn- <laughs> who knows? It could get worse. Watch the space, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. That's the uh, the match where not that many people attended, but every single one of those people made their own football club. Is that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, having gone through a bit of con- correspondence uh, from listeners, we now have uh, a first for for uh, for the podcast an interview <laughs> with with Matt Exton, who's the the sort of director creator of the uh, All Wednesday documentary that we 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 watched as part of the last episode. Uh, so we, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Matt, and then we'll we'll come back and round things off. And now we'll get straight into our interview with Matt Exton, director of All Wednesday. So my first one's really boring, but it's it's how did the project come about? Um, I think it came about after um, not long after you know the the playoff final against Hull, right? Obviously, after after that match, it was like. I don't know there's kind of like a a, um, a, a mixed rea- a mixed feel. I had mixed feelings about it afterwards. Like one yeah. one part of me, a bit like England, I suppose. Like, a, like one part of me was kind of really, really like gutted that like yeah. we'd done so well, we played so, and I, I went into that game probably like a lot of people, like overconfident that we were going to yeah. do it because of how good we were that season, and then. You know, to, to have lost, it was just kind of like, you know. But then, like, I don't know, like, afterwards, a few days after, I was looking at um, some of the Wednesday groups on Facebook, and there was just so many, so many clips, so many photos, so many clips, yeah. people writing their experiences of the day, and kind of like, I thought, you know, it'd be great to take all these kind of, like, clips and, and, and photos and video and kind of make it, like, put a montage together I mean, and show that kind mm. of like, you know, sometimes it's not always about the result, but like what, what a day people have had. And it's like, yeah. I think the main, the main feeling was the fact that everybody was, um, you know, everybody's a fan. They've, every, they've all got that one thing in common as a fan, but everybody's got their own journey sort of thing. So yeah. they had their own experience of that match, even though we, we all had the same feeling with the outcome. It was kind of like, I don't know. It sort of felt like there were stu- yeah, there were yeah. so many stories about that day, and then I was kind of like thinking about it, and I thought it's, the problem is it's too late. You know, the bubbles burst, people are yeah, off, you know, and uh, you know, and it don't really feel like like right to kind of do something on on just that. But then it was sort of like expanded into well, maybe there's you know we've got so much history that that's maybe an idea to actually speak to fans. Um, about you know, like from up through all ages of, of various kind of like um, times and, and, and memories, and, and put it all together as one thing, basically. And I think it was, I think it mainly came, uh, due to a bit of a lack of creative spark that I had at the time because my, you know, I was in my full time job, I was doing kind of fairly boring corporate kind of style video stuff, and okay. and I wanted to kind of find my spot for why you know why I enjoyed making you know films and videos and stuff, and I think I just wanted a bit of a personal project to take me take my mind off of stuff at work, and yeah, and I just wrote I literally wrote it down as a as an idea, um, literally in this 
in this book here. Um, and then I just sort of like ended up, I got a little bit drunk one night and then I sort of like typed up an email to Trevor Braithwaite. <laughs> I sent it to him. And uh, and then I, I was like, you know, the next day, you know, when you're kind of like a little bit sort of like, oh, God, what, what did I do that for? Because then he responded and he was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'm like, oh. you know, so I sort of <laughs> a little bit right then. But, you oh, know, I thought, well, maybe that, definitely. Yeah, I thought, well, maybe that's the spark that, that I needed, you know, like now I've I've committed to it, you know, or, absolutely, you know, I've said that I'm doing it. So, like, maybe I should just crack on and try and do it, see see what happens. <laughs> so pressure, that was... pressure is a privilege, I keep hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, to, to um, pretend I know something about films, so the idea, uh, the, the sort of beginning of the idea is almost like a Rashomon sort of take on that on that playoff final, all those different journeys to the same conclusion that's yeah. a really uh, yeah that's a i think i think that does uh, you do get that feel and it's nice that we focus on different moments as well because as you say unfortunately it was all too brief a, a sunny sunny moment for the for the club uh, around that uh, that that season and the season that followed um so uh, mine i've got another sort of question and we're, we're gonna we will go sort of back and forth myself and luke but yeah. uh my, my my interest was how did you choose which fans you would talk to and was there was there uh, an application process did you hold auditions or did you have people in mind from yeah. the off no no it was it was pretty it was pretty tough because basically um well the the way that i thought about doing it was that um i already had in mind you know a couple of people um that I was going to speak to, but I, I think at first I just thought, right, you know, go to guy Tango, you know. Yes. So like my, fir <laughs> my first thought was like, <laughs> my first thought was like, what what I need to do is I need to try and get, I need to try and get people to write stories in, you know. I need to get okay. people to like submit, you know, experiences and memories and stories and stuff like that, and and I, I didn't have enough of a say a profile to be able to do that you know myself you know and I think that's one of the good things about having the club involved was the fact that you know the club you know they can use their accounts yeah, their, yeah. their social media to to put that put, put something out that will get a, a response from fans so you know um so I, I sort of said right well what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off by making a like a, a trailer like a teaser trailer thing sort of okay. thing of, of what I'm going to do and um, and I started out by just kind of like I got access, to, I got permission to go and film the ground, um, and I just went and filmed some shots of the ground and and stuff like that. And then I sort of pushed it a bit further and blagged to go to a game uh, and film right. and film pitch side at the game. Yeah. Um, so I filmed some stuff there, and then it just sort of like the thing is like a lot of it just kind of like unraveled like naturally, which was quite. Mm quite lucky and basically like the game that I went to go and film was the game against Fulham last last game of the season oh, where yeah. uh, um, a, a round of applause for Ryan Goodinson's dad yes. uh, passed away at the Derby game and just being there at that moment and filming it I, you know I felt quite emotional from it like mm -hmm. I was kind of like you know stood there filming the fans and like goosebumps were tingling because I knew I'd knew, known about it sort of thing 
Um, and then that it was at that point there that I thought, well, do you know what? Like it goes to show that football's a, a lot more than just kind of yes. you know memories with you going with your dad or memories of games or whatever or going to the put. You know, sometimes it's a lot deeper and it's about you know the personal relationships that you have with um, with your family and your friends and 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 doing those memories together through channeling it through the club basically. Um, yeah. It was kind of like it was kind of like from there I sort of basically um I got in I reached out to Ryan and I said, Listen, I've got this footage from the cop because I was filming this stuff for this documentary. Um, do you you know, is here it is if you want it as a bit of a keepsake and, and he was like really appreciative and yeah. I just kind of opened up a bit of a dialogue with him on on there and I said, Listen, I'm 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 making this this film or I'm trying to and um, I'd be interested in speaking to you if you if you'd like to talk on camera about your dad. I says you don't have to go into any of the details about what happened. So I understand it's going to be quite raw, and mm. feel free to just tell me to fuck off, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, like if you're um, if you want to, you know, I'd be I'd be very much like willing to speak to you. And it, it was like, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, so I kind of got like like Ryan through that way really and, and like yeah. I said, I'd already reached out to Tango and he'd said yeah and then when I went and filmed Tango he says oh I've got a, a mate who's this uh, big American fella um, <laughs> I was like all right well I mean I'm filming you I might as well film him so I filmed yeah. him and then I just started getting people like that and then I, I reached out to Pete McKee as well just purely because yeah. I, thought, I know he's a, he's a popular figure um, yeah. you know, he's a big Wednesday fan I know he's well known, and it might be something in the video that will pull, you know, fan engagement. Yeah, oh, good, yeah, good call. So I got those four basically to start with, and then I made this uh, this trailer, and then the club put it out, and then from there I basically asked for um, people to write in submissions. I'd set up an email address. Okay. And then people wrote. I'd I'd made um I'd made a form on Google Forms where it was like. What games are these? Which of these games have you been to? What memories do you have? You know, stuff like that. Nice. Um, and then people then started like from when the trailer went out, people started writing in stuff. I think I must have got about maybe four hundred people writing. It was a nightmare. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty or something would have been nice, wouldn't it? You could work yeah. through that and pick the best ones. That's yeah. so many. That's it was too just many. So so many that I had to read through and it, it just went on for ages and ages and ages um, <laughs> yeah I mean and to be honest with you I think there's a couple in there that I, that I feel like I probably you know I picked and I maybe shouldn't have picked and then there was like others that I wish I had picked mm. um, after speaking to them afterwards but it's just so hard to do on paper Yeah, so hard to judge it on paper um, I so think that's it felt like it it felt like a really natural mix watching that, you know, I think it felt like every generation was very clearly sort of defined. And uh, I, I pretty quickly got like this person's representing this era, this person's. So I, th I think, although it sounds like quite an arduous task, I think you did do a, a great job on that front, but uh, did you develop any sort of arbitrary ways of, dismissing some of the I just know like we've we've been in a position like in work with job applications and when you have too many you just end up like 
you know, anyone with a Yahoo email address, they're out. You know, like you just end up with something, something to fit in the herd because you just cannot simply read them all in detail. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I try, I tried to, I tried to do it as fair as I could. You know, I want, I want yeah. a genuine mix of like, you know, because there are so, there's such a range of, of types of fan. It's hilarious. Yeah. And you know, I did want, I did want a decent kind of mix, and. Um, and, you know, as I was kind of like reading some of them, uh, you know, is maybe the way it was written uh, or, or maybe the fact that it was like one word answers to things, yeah. not enough detail there. But yeah. I, was basically, I was basically going off. I was, I was looking for mainly like two or three things, really. I was looking for somebody who got, you know, a really interesting story. Um that wasn't just, you know, I went to the match with, you know, because a lot of people yeah. have had that same experience, you know, went with my dad and stuff like that. And, you know, I was looking for something that, that stood out as a real kind of like classic Wednesday story. And that's how, that's how I ended up coming about, you know, the two lads who got stuck in Exeter. Yeah, yeah uh, that's great. You know, the chap who'd, who, who Kate, Kate crashed the, the 91. <laughs> I thought, oh, these are brilliant. Okay. And yeah. I was always, I, I was also looking for, uh, you know, to see. I'd done like a list of games to see which ones they've been to. Okay. So I could say, right, well, they've been to that game, and then they can talk about that game, and then I can intersperse their interview when it's talking about that game. Yeah. And um, but then basically, like, I'd, I'd, I'd made like a short list of like definites, maybes, and nos. And then um, I kind of started ringing the people and, and I, I basically had a chat with them on the phone for like, you know, a good 20 minutes on the phone just to see, gauge kind of what they were like yeah. on the phone and, and if, if I thought they were going to be good to interview. And, you know, most of the people I spoke to, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, well, we'll film you and we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. And then there was a few on the maybe, but I, I, eventually I just kind of like, you know, it could, it could be three hours long. You know? yes. <laughs> like, I just ran out of time and I just, you know, I had to cut it off somewhere as well. Yeah. So. Just a question around that, Matt. I, I, I always kind of wonder about this, especially because I'm, I'm sure you probably, you know, you probably have your kind of darlings and things that you really, really liked from it. So was there anything you wanted to include in the final cut that you just, just had to cut out? Yeah, there was that. There was on the DVD. There's an extra about about um, about. I don't know if you've seen it on the DVD. The the story of the um, the the fisherman on the bank. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, like that. That when when um, Joanne, it was Joanna. She wrote. She wrote in, and she put that as her memory. And I thought that that was like that is go that straight away. I'm putting that in. And then by the time I'd kind of like finished the edit. I was like, there's really nowhere I can sort of sneak this in. It's not really like something that I could, you know. So I was quite, yeah. you know, I thought, well, maybe I can do that as a, its own little separate piece as a, mm -hmm. as a sort of extra scene. And so, you know, I really did like, I remember reading that and thinking, oh, that's that's fantastic. But then, like, when I interviewed her, she spoke with, like, such kind of, like, enthusiasm and passion about that Brentford game. And she worked yeah. really well that section. Um, so, I mean, that story particularly, you know, really got me. The, the, the Jack Payne story, I was like, I had, to, I, I was very much, um, you know, like excited about because yeah. I knew that was going to pull on the heartstrings a little bit, um, you know, because it, because it had a, a nice ending, yes. you know, but also a, a bit of, a bit of trauma to it. You know, it's always going to kind of 
have people who've been through similar scenarios. Um, so there's that one. And then I think the, yeah, the 91 story about gate crashing the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the celebratory fine, that, that kind of got me quite giddy as well. I think. That's great. I also want to ask you, Matt, for like for yourself, what was the best moment for yourself of filming it? Uh, I think it was actually editing, like the editing part, um, where the the best moment, believe it or not, came from editing the um, the story about uh, the two chaps who died in the car crash. Right. Because basically. Um, I'd filmed a lot of it, and then I was kind of like, I have no idea how I'm going to edit this. I have yeah, no idea yeah. how I'm going to structure this at all. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd filmed Ryan, and I'd done Ryan's bits, and, I, I'd, and I'd filmed, and I got Jack's stuff, and I was looking at that. And then I think I'd reached out to, like, Scott, and I said to him, like... Um, are you, are you free? Would you mind talking to me about this? And he was like, yeah. And then I'd done the interview with him in Hillsborough Park. Okay. And then straight after I'd filmed that, I came back because I, I was desperate to see how it came across. And I started editing that and I put some sort of like, you know, music over the top of it. Um, I'm going to say, I'm just going to close my window. I've got builders outside. So. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> So yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd started editing that and I basically just like almost kind of broke down. Like I had a bit of a moment where I just yeah. kind of broke down into tears just listening to it. And it was like, I've never been affected. Like I've done a lot of editing, like where yeah. I've edited emotional content and it's never really affected me. It's just been part of my job. Um, and I've been able to just be like, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, you know, and, and this one for some reason, I think it was because seeing the pain in him now still all these years later uh, and also I, I felt it at the time and it's and it's just one of those things that you always remember it's, it's yeah the, the ones you pull out that you always remember and I've always remembered that and um, but like the thing is it, it that was kind of like the inspiration for me to then like sit down and, and really like I knew what I was doing after that as soon as I'd edited that part for some reason the rest of it all, I kind of, I just kind of thought, right, I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to have this section, this section, this section, this section. And then I started making notes of, right, that's going in there, that's going in there. that's, And I just kind of started doing it like that, basically. So, right. so that I think, you know, I was quite lost in how I was going to make yeah. it up to that point. And then that was sort of like, I, I, I just knew after that, it was kind of like, a, like I say, the, the inspiration for, for how it was going to come about. Great. So yeah, yes, mountains of material, and then trying to find a, a path through it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I've got I've got you down for one more, Luke. Question. Oh okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was your kind of biggest personal surprise of making the film? Um, I think the reaction. I think like the outcome of it and the reaction, and you know. Every, like how from where it started to where it ended to be honest with you because it started with literally me just coming up with this thing and then emailing the club you know um and i didn't know what it was going to be and i didn't know like where it was going to end up and i didn't know kind of you know what what platform it was going to sit, sit on yeah anyway, you know? and it was a new experience for me because I'd, I'd never done any kind of producing before 
you know, I've, I've done directing and, and editing and filming, but I've never done any producing where you have to be in charge of budgets and kind of figure out, you know, how much things are going to cost. Yeah. Um, you know, so seeing it just kind of like go from an idea through to a screening at, at, at the cinema and then a DVD that then sold out. And then, you know, it ended up with, I think, 17,000 made for charity. Um wow. Through through the sales of, of the of the DVD, all like all profits went to charity. Um, you know, the club wanted to do a thing where they split it 50-50. Okay. They, they get fifty percent, and I get fifty percent. I said, well, I'm I'm not bothered about. I'm I'm wanting more to do it as a because I'm wanting to keep the cost down at this. I know what you. Yeah. I said, I said in the meeting, I said, I know what you're like. You'll stick this on for thirty quid, and they'll be like. <laughs> It'll just stay on the shelf and no one will want it. <laughs> Put it in for a tenner, like it's affordable, it's a stock. It's a great price like, point, yeah. Um, and, and I said, like, and, and you know, you can also encourage people to do it by just saying, look, give all profits to charity from it. Yeah. I'm not bothered about making from it. And the club are like, okay, then we'll we'll match that. You know, it's like, all oh, right, thanks. Great. Mike. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, nice. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it just it ended up making quite like you know, split across three or four charities, and yeah, just to see it kind of go from that to that was yeah, it was really really good and, and surprising. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, we've we've had some messaging back and forth to to set up this uh, this call. You mentioned there was a little bit of pressure from the club around the hundred and fiftieth anniversary. I'm wondering what sort of shape did that take, and were we ever close to an audio-visual cake ball, which uh, was the other way that the 150th anniversary was celebrated. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, luckily, luckily, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't pitch too many ideas to me, which, you know, <laughs> you know, there's always that danger, isn't there? When you've seen cake ball, it's kind of like, are they going to try and push some weird, weird promotional kind of tool into this? And like... You know, roll it out on a big circular screen. I, I don't know, but uh, no, I think the, the pressure the pressure mainly came from they wanted to do it for the the birthday of the club, yeah. which was the hundred and fifty first. And to be fair, I'd not reached out to them until the actual. Uh, I don't know if it was the season of the hundred and fiftieth anniversary. Um, so it was too late to do anything. You know, to have it done and produced for them. Yeah. So they kind of wanted to use this as a way, like as a way to round off the celebrations of the 150th season. I think it was a way of the, to try and save the embarrassment <laughs> of the 150th season celebrations. To be honest with you, because there were some very bad decisions made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the pressure was like put in place to try and have it done for. I think it was the end of August. And I think I'd started, I'd, I'd booked two weeks off work to film it. And okay. then um, I filmed it and then I had to go and film other little bits in between. Um, and then I was basically editing it throughout the entirety of August, um, right. you know, in my spare time. And I was kind of like, oh God, I've got to try and get this done. For, and, and I had to do it in a format for cinema, which I've never done before. Right, Okay. <laughs> I was kind of like rendering it out at like one o'clock in the morning. I'm just sat watching the bar because I'm just expecting, yeah, it's going to come up with a message saying you failed or what, or it's failed. And, you know, I thought that's going to be my luck. Like, so, uh, 
so yeah, the deadline was the was the real was the real. And do you know what? To be fair as well, the, the club were just they were just they weren't very helpful. Right. <laughs> they to be, but they, they just they weren't very helpful. Like trying yeah. to get any kind of like imagery to use from them was just not happening. Because yeah. I don't know if you've um, like how much you've spoke to the club photographer. I think it's Steve Ellis. Just never returned. Never basically we do have a story. (laughs) Never returned my calls, never returned my emails, basically hung up whenever I rang. It's just like you know, and I and trying to the pressure was trying to get slight like materials to show for games that people were speaking about that were like I knew was going to be copyrighted to the club. I was a bit sensitive about copyright in terms of what where it was going to go. And there was a point where there was, you know, there's a few things in there that probably in copyright. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just going to have to wing it and hope that I get away with it. <laughs> but like, I, I'm sure you recall from the, the episode, Matt, but I, I did think the the music you used was impeccably close to what the, original, <laughs> what the actual thing yeah, was. I think, I think that would probably, like, I, I think if they were to push that, they would quite easily have a, a lawsuit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a couple of those that like, I mean the the the, um, the the soundtrack for the the Boxing Day one. I, I don't like it. I, I can't. I don't like it at all because it sounds almost like it's been plucked from some kind of stock audio site, and it's just jingly <laughs> jangly kind of like Christmas themed like corporate video music. And it, like, you know, when I listen back to that, I think, oh, that sounds that sounds dreadful. But like, you know. <laughs> At the time, I just I, I was running out of time to get it like produced for to release it before Christmas, and I just and I just had to because I I tried I tried on a lot of occasions to get the original music. You know, I tried to get uh, uh, is it was it Boney M who did that? <laughs> tried, you know, I was in touch with Boney M's people to try and use that. And they, they won't let me use it. <laughs> they didn't even quote. They just said, "No, you're not yeah. using." So, right, okay. Like, okay, I'll rip it off then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, so it got to a point where I just kind of like, I just thought I had to sort of say, right, well, that I can argue against, that I can argue against, that I'm probably, you know, if I get pulled up on it, I ain't got a leg to stand on whatsoever, but I'll just like try and claim innocence and blame the club. And that's what Trevor said to me. He says, like, you know, if anything goes tits up, you can always blame us. I said, yeah, can I have that in writing, please, Trev? (laughs) (laughs) Because all I've got for that is your word for that. (laughs) So I I think Rich and I are a little bit heartbroken that you weren't kind of harmonious with the 150th celebration. So I take it you didn't get a mound of cake ball then? No, it's a fistful not. of cake ball. Fistful of cake ball. I decided to come in and take a big fist out. My little kind of takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks for all your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you know, like people, people freeze a slice of wedding cake? Do you think anybody's got cake ball in their freezer? I would, I'd like, like, I'd like to think, you know, that you know, some of the collectors might have. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> There's not much to look at, was it? You know? <laughs> no. Oh dear, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, so, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. To uh, so, we're, this is part of our hundredth episode, 
and it's themed around people sharing their favourite Wednesday memories. And I was I was wondering if you if you've you've got a, a particular memory you'd like to share with us to uh, to to add into the show. Yeah, so uh, Cardiff, Cardiff match, obviously. To, uh, sorry, not Cardiff. It was at Cardiff Millennium yes. State, <laughs> playoff final against Hartlepool in Cardiff. Um, yeah. Was you know I think I think a lot of people have the big games for, as a as a memory for many mm. reasons, but that one particularly stood out for me because it was kind of like the time when you knew. Or, or it's the part in your in your in your fanhood, if you like, where your kind of dad realizes that you know you've got you've got mates, and it's and it's sort yeah. of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've done my job of raising him to be you know uh, to endure a life of misery as a Wednesday, and now I can step <laughs> and leave him to go with his mates. Um, so after the after the for the for the game for the playoff semi final against Brentford, I, I was at university at the time. I was in Leeds and I was watching that in a pub in Leeds with my housemates who were kind of neutrals and they were sort of like, right, so you're going to go to the final? I'm like, yeah, I've got, I've, I don't know how, but I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, so like, are you going to go with like your mates? And I was like, and at that point, I'm like, oh, God, you know what? I don't know. Like, so I, I you know, I'd, I'd say yeah, that would be a good. Yeah. Out on the booze and like yeah. yeah um but then again i've got this thing in my head about my dad and like he'd, even though he'd pretend that he didn't want to go i think like deep down he'd probably you know want to go so i was kind of like oh, you know i've been i go i go to all the home games with my dad still, yeah so you know I've, I've i've got to go with him um so i rang him basically straight after and i was like sort of on the phone saying yeah yeah that was good wasn't it can you go get tickets <laughs> <laughs> I think that was at the point where you still had to go to the ticket office for yeah. all online and stuff. So, so yeah, I think bless him, he went and got him and, and agreed to come along and um, and he went and sorted it out and sorted the tickets Great. and sort the coach out and everything. And uh, so obviously we went down on the coach and just it was just a real like, nice kind of like you know memory really because I just remember it was like when. You don't really speak much like well we do we're a close family but we don't really speak much in terms of like where yeah. my dad it'll always be like me and my mum and my dad and me and my wife yeah. and it was just me and him and you know we were talking about kind of like you know matches through the past and kind of just reminiscing a little bit and it was just a really good day to spend with him yeah at the actual game itself uh <laughs> we we got in uh, we were kind of take, soaking up the atmosphere. Like we'd had a couple of drinks before, and but my dad's not a big drinker, so it was kind of yeah. like half a pint for him. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me. Um, and then uh, we got into the ground fairly early, I think, because uh, my dad's one of these a stickler for getting into ground. Get it, uh, getting in early, three yeah. Three hours before kickoff, <laughs> just in case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't quite that. We got into like you know a good half hour before and we were kind of like doing these, doing these like I like, I like to say drunken louts. Uh, sort of like, uh, there's probably there were quite a few in the ground that day, and yeah, uh, they were mates or brothers or what, but they both got the kids with them and they were kind of like you know up and up and dancing and, and partying and singing. And I says to me, Dad, I says, "Oh, these two have had a few, haven't they?" Right. And then you know, the game kicks off and. You know, they're quite jovial and up until half time we're one nil off and then one of them, you know, the boo starts to it to it. <laughs> didn't quite have the stomach like his like his pal did. 
and he sort of slumps down in his seat and and kind of like sort of like put his head in his hands a little bit and that was it that was last we saw of him that were it <laughs> resting case. I was like, I just sort of like I was I was watching the game and I was half had an eye on him like so like is he all right so yeah like, yeah but he was just kind of slumped because it was a hot day as well a hot day and you know he was. I don't know how anybody slumps in that position in those chairs <laughs> and passes out for that amount of time without yeah. you know, somehow kind of coming round or anything. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, he, he kind of like, uh, he got to extra time. We'd just gone three, two up. And then he kind of stirred. It's like the, the, the reaction for, I think, the, the cheer or the singing. He kind of woke up. It was like that thing where he just kind of come out of it. And he stood up <laughs> I just remember that. Oh, it says to me, Dad, always alive like, like that. And I'm kind of like, like listening in. And I just like, I just, he just turns to his mate and he's like, Is it still one nil? <laughs> <laughs> missed everything. Missed absolutely everything. All the drama, the penalty, sending off. And like, you know, like quite bluntly, I think like quite annoyed to be honest, his mate just says to him, No, no, it's extra time, we're three two up, we've had a penalty, they've had a man sent off, and I think you've pissed yourself. It's <laughs> 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 like, like more importantly, you've sold yourself. <laughs> so it's it's just like like me and my dad both heard, we just turned to each other, we were just like absolute like couldn't stop laughing it was it was brilliant and I mean, obviously we're quite jovial about the game as well and I think that's yeah. like it's funny it's like 10 times funnier when when things are going well <laughs> yes, yeah it was just brilliant and then like you know not long after that Talbot scored so at least oh, bless yeah. him at least he got that he got that moment of release <laughs> like I just said to him, like, you know, on the coach coming back, I was like, oh, imagine that, go like all season and you go to that and then you just miss most of the game. <laughs> How is he? Does he care? Is it like, I, and now I still think to him this day, does he care about it? Is yeah. he, you know, or, or is he like, you know, what a great day that was. I got hammered. And <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, great, great day. He had the, the game without any of the, nerves and trauma mm. like the second mm. half was unbearable and he didn't have to he we were one nil up when he went to sleep we were three two up when he woke up i mean perfect and then he saw talbot score maybe he maybe he nailed it and that's the way to do it for an hour <laughs> miss all the all the dramatic scary stuff and just come back and go, yeah easy peasy oh, man, yeah but i mean everybody I think soiling everybody... yourself i think that's a pretty low <laughs> again i don't Godless. watch at all I think he was like, whatever. <laughs> I have got a friend whose last night, he now doesn't drink, and his last night of drinking was we went to a, a choral concert and he didn't see the band because he was he was sort of leading the, the rest of the audience in their uh, their sort of, he was cheerleading, facing backwards the whole way through, and he, he sort of woke up the next morning, he's like, I don't know that I even looked at the band. And I don't know if they were off. Like, it's just because you're just pointing out like people who weren't dancing or clapping enough, um, having having been on the beers all day beforehand. And that was he that was him for him. He's like, right, yeah, I'm not gonna miss another big occasion. So maybe it was a maybe it was a come to Jesus moment for a moment of clarity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much Matt for uh, for talking to us it's been really lovely and um, we thoroughly enjoyed 
covering the film in in the last episode and it's been it's been a real treat to talk to you do you have anything to plug um, um we've got a, a an audience that um i think last count five people bought ball shavers when we were promoting those so um, <laughs> <if> you... <laughs> Uh, well, I haven't got a ball shaver to plug. No, I, no. <laughs> yeah, I might invest in one now. Now you. Uh, well, you do, it's gravy balls on manscaped.com. Right, you right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a look. <laughs> but no, I did what I did. What I was going to say to you uh, again. It's not really a plug because it's nothing to do with me. But I don't, have you seen the? Have you seen that illustrated little Wednesday book by Tim Bird? I don't think I'd know that now. This is what I was going to talk to you about because obviously you've done you've done an episode on uh, Alex Miller's book, which I've got. I haven't read it yet, but I've I've got. Yes. Um, and I thought I wondered if these guys have seen this as well. And this is this is a guy. He's a Wednesday fan. He's an illustrator. And I think okay. he, lives, he lives in London. He's called Tim Bird, and uh, he's recently done this little book, and it's only a fiver. I can't. I think it's a fiver, including delivery. UK, sorry, Luke. You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably a fiver, and then you know, a couple of hundred quid to ship it out to you. Exactly. Mm. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's this little, this little. Uh, it's almost like a fanzine sort of thing, and it's oh, just oh, wow. really like easy to read. It's like really quick. So it's all pictures, uh, and then on the back, he's got him and his dad there. Uh, oh, lovely. And I just think for a, I think for a fiver, it's quite a nice little trick. Like if you look through it, the way that he's done it, so he's kind of got like, um, there's a good good example is this bit here. So he's kind of like, I think in this page here, he's kind of like dreaming about going to the match or something. And then on the next page, it's like his dad says they're going to the match, and then he's actually produced the actual ticket stuff. Wow, oh. that's incredible. So it's just like it's a nice little illustration. Oh, great. It's talking mainly about it's mainly through the nineties, but it's talking yeah. about kind of his experience of like following the club and then you know when they moved to Leeds or something like not going to as many games. But it's just like really nicely put together, just like a little uh, just something to read while you kind of like got the spare five minutes sort of thing. And oh, I just nice. kind of lo- I just kind of love seeing like like fans like Wednesday fans or whatever or, or fans of other clubs doing their own little things and kind of putting yeah. it out there. it's like you know it's supportive of kind of like you know that creative sort of indie kind of businesses but also like you know you get a lot more kind of variation than than this you know the usual stuff oh, definitely. yeah oh well, that's really great thank you I, I will we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well but um I, I, I'm definitely going to be purchasing. It looks that looks really fantastic, and yeah. and actually looks like um, a length of book that I even I will struggle to uh, to to not not to finish in time for the podcast. Which is what <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite it's quite quite. Short. I mean, I read it in a night. It took me about like yeah. 10, 15 minutes because it's literally just pictures. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Well, no, it looks like, good. I like the ratio to picture to words picture looks to words. About on my Alex I'm basically saving for like I was like I can't do this now I need to do this when I'm on holiday I need to like yeah, go holiday I'm two weeks away lay on me Wednesday t- towel and just kind of yes. like get something <laughs> like Carlton Palmer <laughs> story yeah. getting stoned before matches or whatever <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Matt.
That's yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, lads. Uh, good luck <laughs> with the rest of the podcast, and I'll uh, I'll definitely make sure I listen out from. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So thank you so much to Matt for taking part in in our first ever interview. Uh, Hopefully not too much of a train wreck. (laughs) Uh, But Matt was kind enough to reach out after the the previous episode and um, say how much he'd enjoyed it. So we we sort of followed up on on that little uh, glimpse. <laughs> to put something to put this together um, and also thank you so much to to paul and chris for their contributions um really uh, really lovely stuff and uh putting us in on a fine footing to start on our in on our own memories so you're going to kick us off luke yes and so <clears throat> this is a little bit interesting because i mean we typically i've done as a bit of preamble i've done free Wednesday match day memories. Okay. My own my own wee little trilogy, I'm gonna say. Nice. And then I kind of go into two others, which is something something else and something very different. Okay. So, Interesting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so this begins match memory number one. Okay. For me, it has to be something iconic. And also interestingly, it's probably befitted the fact depressingly rich i think we've now i think i've now seen more wednesday on television through online mediums than probably wednesday in the flesh wow and that's something really kind of heavy and probably makes me think makes me (laughs) reevaluate my life and reevaluate the choices i've made despite the fact i'm very very happy here in uh you know my new my new country and home of canada and probably what a bizarre but incredible memory i think that it has that it was for me to watch the Wednesday beanbag for Wednesday's Derby Double over the pigs. Of course. Interesting that Dion Burton left us a message where he mentioned his part, (laughs) a part I actually managed to wipe from memory, as I mentioned before, (laughs) in the 1-0 victory over the pigs. And I must say that's a sad admission from this list. Seeing Steve Watson's majestic lift of the bumbling chuckle brother thugface double act as (laughs) Paddy Kenny and Chris Morgan (laughs) is something else. (laughs) <laughs> but I think having the joy of watching the historic victory at the Stain on a massive telly that still felt like watching it on a real video postage stamp size video on the internet circa late 90s was something else. The fact that this was being done, we could watch it with around 9,000 Wednesdayites, if my memory on this still works, just made the whole experience otherworldly. It felt like some weird triumph of technology to have a feed directly to the gigantic Richer Sounds rental telly I still imagined it came from a special fiber optic pipe pimped by the people at Yorkshire Cable, even though they were probably defunct at the time. It still felt from another ageless timeline when Mickey Gray casually knocked it across the box and Tommy Spur casually lashed it past Kenny. I don't think I've disbelieved my own vision more, and I'm yet to take any hallucinogenic drugs. And yet that wasn't the most outlandish thing I saw that day. As Marcus Tugay just hit the ball with a true deft touch, I still watch it back like as a magician's sleight of hand trick, just with his cultured right peg. Just oh. an absolutely wonderful day, and it was nice to kind of be there at Hillsborough. And I remember leaving the stadium like we we're still in the euphoric bubble, Lovely. which I imagine was the opposite from the grunt fest of the stain. <laughs> Two final things to say: I must have to say I do love a Wednesday kit with blue shorts. Mm. And also, even though he's been forgotten to history, Arturo Lupoli is still a lying shit wasp as that was a known goal and wasn't his goal. 
I mean, the other thing that's added to that, it's funny, like memories get added to by, particularly over time, like you watch the YouTube videos and things like to remind yourself, and then that becomes incorporated in your memory. And that, that Tudge goal, right alongside it is the, is the United fan that goes to give the, yes. the big white, you know, how wide, yeah. simple, just with his arms out, just as his world just... <laughs> collapses in on itself. <laughs> Just fantastic. That extra little bit of Schadenfreude uh, seasoning on top of a, a, a delicious, delicious pie. <laughs> oh, well, I've got a bit of a smorgasbord. So mine are all game related, but sometimes the game the game is, is more important because of the, the, the situation. So uh, I've got a couple in my back pocket. I, I, I'm trying to predict the direction you're going to go in, Luke. And I, I think I've got a couple in, in my back pocket that might, might strike a similar tone, hopefully. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go really, really obvious off the bat. And maybe you've already got, you've got this one as well. And okay. mine are kind of in chronological order. Although, again, mm. memory playing tricks on you. Um, I had the chronological order wrong for, for a couple of them. Um, but I've, I've got to go for the Waddle game. Very nice. Very, very nice. Not on my list, I must okay. say. Well, just in terms of those early memories that cemented mm-hmm. you, you know, it's almost unfair. There was nothing your your young mind can do to fight against you know Hillsborough bouncing just before Christmas all the special Christmas songs it's and the first feels like they've all been invented that day for you you know you, you um and Chris Waddle scoring one but assisting another three uh just putting on an absolute tour de force and being my 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 favorite player ever as well my favorite player ever in his best game for Wednesday mm-hmm. um it has to be the one and it's it, it, it certainly it was just one of those as I say one of those memories where everything about it is magical and in terms of the addiction of being a Sheffield Wednesday fan this was this was the uh this was the free hit that really <laughs> cemented my status as a <laughs> as a Wednesday smackhead forevermore uh <laughs> Um, interestingly, an own goal in that. It started with an own goal, uh, um, the 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 downpour. But yeah, just as I say, so many memories. Um, being at the match with my dad, it being before Christmas, walking in a waddle wonderland, dreaming of a bright Christmas, etc. Um, just beautiful. And we always used to listen to "Simply the Best" by Tina Turner when we got back in the car after a win. Um, and I would have a LucasAid in the the sort of tinfoil squishy packaging, if you remember those ones. I don't remember those ones. Oh, I do. They were the kind of like the... Is that is that the kind of realm of... I was actually telling... Um, I was telling a, a beautiful, beautiful lady who I'm... 
possibly in the early throes of something with possibly touch wood. I was telling her about the Aero milk drinks, the Aero mint drinks. Oh, yeah. Is that no longer a thing in the UK or is it still there? I don't think it is a thing. Not that I know of. You know, people used to adore those those milky. So it's like a it's like a juice box, isn't it? For, yeah. for want of a North American term, but it was kind of like um, kind of like a square tetra pack foily thing. Was that right? It was it was more of like a rectangle of uh, yeah. It was quite it was squishy. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a Capri Sun type weld, was it? No, but it was closer, probably closer to a Capri Sun than a bottle. Welcome back to Different Gravy, your favourite Sheffield Wednesday pass where we discuss <laughs> drinks packaging. <laughs> it felt really sporty. You know, like, this is what you would squeeze into your mouth if you were really... You oh, just... I remember those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you get one of those in a Mars bar. We'd listen to Tina Turner. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it was a, it was doesn't a good get time. bad, does it? And doesn't get any better, does it? We knew that Santa was on his way. He put, he, he put the, you know, the stuff was on the sleigh. He was just waiting to set off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the waddle game for me. <laughs> What's next? Fantastic. I was, I was, I. Uh, so I was actually there as well. I actually. Oh. So in the nineties, my dad actually wrote for the program. He used, he used to do a little bit of. So just as a bit of background, I don't think I've ever mentioned this. I felt like I, maybe I should have reached out to my dad. Because so my dad probably, my dad's, well, my, I, I feel like if I probably got my dad going, he'd probably go on for quite a while. Bless him. Uh, about all his yeah, <laughs> <yeah>. memories. <laughs> but he used to write like a, pre, I think it was called Premiership's People or Premiership Points. Okay. I remember going around to my dad's and then my dad would be hacking away on his Mac, Apple Mac. Um, you know, bits of you know, a kind of summary of news and, you know, interesting that during that time it was, he would go get a bunch of papers and kind of digest, okay. you know, a bunch of this news articles that he would kind of put up for. And, you know, interesting that like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was kind of seen as content and there might be people there who probably bought the program and enjoyed it and enjoyed those kind of column, the few columns my dad yeah. did. But uh, it's interesting now that, you you know, we we feel a little bit like this when we talk about news on the podcast. And hell, hilariously, we haven't talked about news all summer because we didn't no, want it because yeah. it's too, too bloody depressing. Um, but, um, you know, funny that, like, at that time, that's probably like, you know, it's probably still a valid kind of term of news of what's kind of going on. Yeah, yeah. But now everything's so kind of immediate. It's a bit like when you do stuff a bit later, even when we do stuff on the podcast, we're kind of imagining people yeah. being like, yeah, I already know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a better angle on anything or a better reach for anything. There's no exclusives of jobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of fascinating, really, isn't it? So we got some comp. We used to get some comp tickets. So nice. I think I'm going to start on the comp for that one as well. So I don't remember much of it then. It was a party atmosphere. And that's, you know, yeah. Model doing a few deft kind of step overs to send. Send those ruddy cockneys on their butt on their backsides. <laughs> I, I do remember also my brother just the sheer delight of my eldest brother Andy when, you know, watching that on match of a day and just seeing, you know, just seeing Trevor Brooking just be crestfallen his beloved West Ham <laughs> get an absolute shafting from Wednesday. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. 
I think with Waddle, have, be, being someone that's never been particularly athletically gifted, it, it's the fact he played the game almost at a walking pace most of the time. Yeah. And it, it did. I mean, it, I mean, we, you know, he gets called a wizard, but it, it was like a magic trick in a way because so many wingers, it's just, it, maybe they've got a trick, but it's, it's pace, isn't it? It's legs that will get them past people, and I don't feel like I know. It actually still has a it had a decent turn of pace. I mean, there, there are clips that show that, but he was never going to beat anybody with that pace. It was all dropping his shoulder and step overs and shifting his weight, sort of almost imperceptibly. But that the, the defender's trying to read it, so he reads it wrong. Beautiful. What a what a gorgeous footballer to watch. <laughs> Um, okay, do you want to hit us with another another from your list, Luke? Match day memory number two. I'm wondering if this one makes your list as well, because it, it does involve you, Rich. <laughs> My second memory is, again, pig-related, as it involves Rich and I's trip to the stadium to watch the Wednesday 2-2 under Megson. Yeah. I remember the sheer anxiety and weird feeling of milling around the lane, and probably only the second time I've seen a game there, with the exception of being taken by a friend and his dad when I was a wee bairn. I'm so happy that we had a favourable result and it probably tasted just so much sweeter to deny them as they seemed to make themselves out as some third-tier Galacticos who were too good for the division with Stephen Jude Quinn swinging his dirty ginger beard around and Chedwin Michael Evans somehow being transformed to third-tier striking royalty despite him being a bad-touch duffer for his previous realm. <laughs> I distinctly remember the Granny Oika who I couldn't work out what was more disgusting. Oh, yeah. Her sheer lack of class at her age to stick the rods up or her crusty malnourished claws offered as rods. <laughs> <laughs> so as history tells us, they went 2-0 up and the biggest triumph of note of this Megson Wednesday team who had somehow managed to grow three spines from non-had at all. <laughs> just the beastliest Pokemon mutated fur tier phoenix that came from the ashes to really shove it up the piggy's pooper. <laughs> Medine and Cogba, the chief Wednesday strike, strike force shit wasps to really awaken the Wednesdayites, and it could have well been free with that momentum. Ruining their party and make Danny, Wils Danny Wilson do a Mrs. Doubtfire offended face was sheer deliciousness. <laughs> it's not netball, it's a contact sport. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful writing. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> uh, that is a, it's a big, so that's a big memory, I think, on two fronts for me, because I think it was, well, maybe more than two fronts, but the, on a personal level, I think that was, it was, we'd, we'd had a, because I think I came and stayed over with, with you, so because it was nearly kickoff. Is that right? Am I right in remembering that? I think that was the case, yeah. Yeah. Was that and we tried to go see Get Into the Greek beforehand. <laughs> yeah, we bought tickets for the next day. <laughs> some poor people out of their seats. <laughs> no, no, no. These are our seats, love. You need to uh, you need to up it. That <laughs> we had them for the next day. <laughs> Excellent. So all these things. Yeah, there's a lovely... Um, you know, we had a we had a lovely a lovely evening beforehand and, and a nervy morning off. And uh it's a, it's not it was it's grim there away end. I suppose our away end's fairly grim as well, but I, I do remember f f feeling pretty pretty bleak there. 
being uh, beneath being beneath a set of fans is crap. Yes. It's really, really crap. It's the worst, the worst, you know, and there's a lot of like um, you know, historical talk and being on forums and you don't know. Yeah. I don't I, I kind of led to believe because of my um because of my affliction and my <laughs> knowing my knowing my colours to Sheffield Wednesday's master. I and also I kind of know some I, I genuinely find the pigs very scummy. So <laughs> I kind of believe the stories of people throwing bottles of piss. Yeah. Wednesday nights. It doesn't surprise me. I'm really it feels like unfortunately, I think even for probably some of the worst of Wednesday fans, if we were given the situation, I think there'd be a bunch of Wednesday fans who would do the same. <laughs> I'm sure people are awful. Sure, sure. There's some, there's some shitty people on We just everywhere. talked about how people so. like Conor McGregor and like Harry Redknapp. That, you know, people are terrible. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think with Conor McGregor, there's a, there's a fair thing of, of being entertained and showing up for the party, but also being a bit... Bit kind of disgusted with what's happening. Oh, that, that's my expression yeah. and that's my feelings. But anyway, that's something else. Let's not talk about that. No, fair enough. Um, so, so yeah, no, it, it's a bit rough, isn't the way end, isn't it? Let's be honest. But but you know, I, I and I just remember being so so low, obviously, um, with the with the uh, the start of the game and going behind and. Uh, that made the it made the high of 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 pulling it back just so incredible, and mm. I think it, it it sort of strengthened my belief in that Wednesday team. Mm. Uh, just to sort of say, we can you know we can they've got almost bottomless. I mean yeah. So I'm just I just wanted to pull it up. So um, yeah. So they scored the eleventh minute, twentieth minute. We scored in the eighty second and eighty sixth. So, like, you just... But I don't remember losing hope. I just remember the second half just being piles and piles of pressure. Mm. And just eventually we got them. And it was... I don't, it, yeah, it just made me... The, the, whatever belief I had in the team before, which I think was considerable, makes them mm. really get buy-in from the fans as well as the players. Um, it, it, it sort of strengthened two, threefold, because it's like... This is we were staring down the barrel of pretty much as bad as it gets, and when when you're two 0 down after twenty minutes against your closest rivals, you you do start to think that this could be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And having stared that down and come back, you just sort of thought, this is a special team. This team's got got something about it. So it was re- it was really nice to to have uh, that shown to us. Um, and I do remember a very very drunk man in front of us that kind of decided to try and walk over the top of the chairs when, when we, scored, we scored the equaliser. And um, I was very surprised he didn't die. I was really pleased for him for not falling on, falling really badly. <laughs> you really didn't want to see something like that happen. In front of you, <laughs> no, it would have really taken the edge off. You know, it's the edge off, yeah. 2-2 was good, but when that guy broke his neck, that really <laughs> was a bit of a buzzkill. Oh, we had some, and you know the the sheer joy of the way end. Yeah, hugs with randos is always hugs with randos. <clears throat> early early morning, disgusting, or early in the day, disgusting fart smells, and then hugs with randos. Ah, the away end. Ah, the away end. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So my second one, and uh, just to fall into uh, the trap predicted by Chris previously, um, I've got to talk about the 2005 playoff final. I've got to do it. Oh, you're so predictable, Rich. Oh, what come a, here, come what here. A, you pick pick best memories of best memories of Wednesday's history, latter day history. What a, what a boring git. <laughs> but I love that. I love that Sturrock team. I think that uh, I talked about sort of my initial passion being ignited by the the Waddle game and and those that team. Um, but my my passion was reignited by that that team that initially was put together by Chris Turner and. I, in my hopeful moments, I know we're not talking about the current situation, but in my hopeful moments, I can see some parallels um, with the recruitment that that uh, Chris Turner did and um, our current situation. But it was a huge rebuild. We'd sloughed off so many of the big earners. I think the last of them had sort of gone. Um, I was a fan of Sibon, but I know he was a huge drain on the resources of the, of the club um, and maybe didn't quite live up to his ginormous wage um but all that all that had sort of gone and it was a chance to rebuild and we and 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 turner by and large was rebuilding with these young hungry players that had been released by good academies but obviously not quite made the grade i think chris brunt was behind downing and somebody else i think so it was fairly understandable that he couldn't get a look in at middlesbrough but he obviously was a hell of a player um, despite the fact that he wasn't in their first team plans or their second team plans. Um, so, yeah, buying into the, this ethos, this new image of the club, Turner just couldn't work it. I just, he was not a good manager, unfortunately. Seems to have been a good scout for talent, but not a good manager. Uh, Sturrock came in and added this strength and resolve to this young team and it was wholly unexpected to get to the playoff final. Uh, I remember I was working for the Welsh Development Agency at the time and the Welsh Development Agency had a box on the centre circle of the Millennium Stadium and we managed to, the bit of the agency that I worked for, managed to get that box for the League One playoff final. And at that time, it was not a thought that Sheffield Wednesday would be the team that would be playing that day. But exciting enough. But obviously, as, yeah, as time rolled by and it, it started to look more and more probable, the practicalities of that were sort of difficult. My sister Suzanne, who I've talked about uh, several times on the podcast, uh, she uh, she'd got it got into she'd been bitten by the bug as well that season uh, and and really bought into this. Work. She she sort of got interested in football without my influence. She just sort of took it up on her, herself I think um, partly inspired by a very attractive Arsenal team if you remember <laughs> Arsenal had Freddie Lundberg uh, mm. Robert Perez, Thierry Henry some really top level handsome chaps there uh, Honkarama for a little while in that Arsenal team and I, I think that sort of was the opening of the door Mm-hmm. But then she became more. She became a proper. I think it was slightly, probably, a physical attraction led. 
but then she became a proper fan and obviously it was easier to see Wednesday than it was to see Arsenal. So I managed to coax her over and I don't know whether she's ever forgiven me, but I managed to coax her over to the Wednesday side of things. Um, and it helped, obviously, we were having this tremendous winning season. So we're faced with the predicament that I was actually working the day of the playoff final. Suze wanted to go. They were selling tickets. The internet was not quite the powerhouse it, it, it is today, um, or certainly not in football ticketing terms. So people were queuing around the block to buy tickets for the Wednesday end. And we were the, we had more fans uh, it was the most fans of any one team to go to any of the football finals at uh, the Millennium Stadium, I believe, at the, at the time at least. So Wednesday sold out their end, no no problem. Uh, Hartlepool, on the, on, on the other side of things, could not sell their tickets for Love No Money and were flogging them online. I think at one point they were even doing two for one. <laughs> Just to try and get some presence in the stadium. <laughs> So it ended up that Suze and my friend uh, Johnny uh, went and watched in in the in the, uh, in the Hartlepool end, and uh, I was watching in the box in a suit, pretending that I didn't care. But that really fell apart as the uh, as the game progressed because it was a very very stressful and emotionally moving game. And by the end, it really had um, my, any air of professionalism had left my body and I was just shouting and screaming like every other fan in the crowd. Uh, but a glorious day. I mean, just a beautiful day. Cardiff is a fantastic city and the stadium is right in the heart of it as well. So unlike mm. Wembley, where it's miles from anything, everybody's milling around the city. Everybody was wearing blue and white because Hartlepool wear blue and white as well. Um, just a, yeah, a great, great day and a tremendous result an, an unbelievable performance really. Um, and then even getting stuck in the traffic on the way home and playing hi-ho silver lining really loud from my punto speakers and having people clap along. <laughs> just every bit of the day was, was glorious. So there, there you go. I know it was. I know it was during the Luke sabbatical. So I'm sorry you you can't add your own elements there. I know, but that's still it's still nice to um, kind of hear about the stories and hear about that 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 day for a lot of people and how it panned out. So I think we also missed the team. The team went to a uh, a service station, and I think we missed them by one service station. <sighs> Uh, but Getting. yeah, but yeah, the team were out in the traffic jam, sort of dance, dancing with the cup and stuff. It was, it was, yeah, it's the best traffic jam ever. <laughs> Next up for Luke. The final trilogy of these Wednesday match memories has to be the final day of the 2011 2012 season at home to Wickham. Uh. A bumper sellout crowd. A kind, lowly, and humble Wickham kindly retiring to the cheese wedge, so he got to enjoy four sides of the ground electric with Wednesday eyes. I remember the battalion of inflatables, and still we wonder where they all went, including Rich's very sweet ninja one, which disappeared very quickly, and the monumental high ho silver lining. It, it seemed to feel really fully... Quickly. It did go really quickly. We, we, we commented on that, didn't we? It kind of just went... <laughs> you threw it not very far. It went straight in front of us by about six feet. And since... It just, it just disappeared into the sea of Wednesday eyes. Really, yeah. It just, just sunk, sunk like a anvil. 
It seemed to feel fully like a party, despite the question as to what would happen. I still ha- I still tell anyone who would ever be clueless enough to let them give me five minutes of their time <laughs> to the moment Wednesday went full spinal tap in that game. <laughs> Nicky Antonio's deft touch over the Wickham keeper sent everyone to 10, but when the iconic Wednesday scoreboard of old gave a cheeky shh-tee to see the piggies go 1-0 down to the mighty Exeter, then the electric atmosphere went up to 11. Pure magic. The pitch inflation, the pitch invasion, the flares, Miguel Liera floating atop Wednesday nights like he was getting a cheeky dinghy with a few whales on the River Don. Sleep, <laughs> drizzly, liquid euphoria. Do you know, I've just looked up my uh, receipt, just out of interest, I wondered if I could find it. So Monday, the 30th of April, 2012, my order from Super Fun Stuff on, uh, on eBay. <laughs> I had an 18-inch giant inflatable blow-up green frog and a 24-inch purple ninja. (laughs) So there we go. I had two frogs. Two frogs. They were good. They were good. (laughs) Also, um, that was also my my now 15-year-old nephew's first Wednesday game. Oh, my goodness. You know, I remember looking over to give give a wave to... Andy, my dad, and Samuel, kind of oh. totting totting up the steps near the end to be like, we're just we're just going to head out and beat the traffic because this is going to be insane. <laughs> I was like, fair enough, fair enough. And also, you know, my nephew is basically four four pushing five at the time. So yeah, and you know, a big a big probably a big experience, a fun experience. Yeah, but maybe maybe could be a little bit overwhelming for 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 little Samuel for little at the time. Ones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'd imagine. I don't. <clears throat> the weird thing I remember about that day is I didn't ever really doubt that we'd win, and I'm a very, I'm a very pessimistic person when it comes to Wednesday. My my oh. general rule of thumb is to set my expectations as low as they can possibly be, and mm-hmm. then I will I will either be pleasantly surprised or right. Um, and I I just didn't think we'd I, d- I didn't think we'd lose. I don't know why. It's exactly the sort of thing we would do, <laughs> you know. Fight our way to the top of Everest and then stab ourselves with uh, with our own uh, climbing gear. You know, that's exactly the sort of thing Wednesday does. It but, did just feel like it was just a question of when, though. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that was a great memory, and and I have to say, t- almost sort of tied hand in hand with it is is Antonio's last minute effort against uh well beyond the last minute effort against carlisle united to 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 put the blocks in place as well Mm -hmm. um which is one of my sort of honorable mention type uh, moments i have to say i remember going to that game and then i had i have through my mum's family i've got relatives out in cumbria so my my cousin ian came down with um Oh gosh, I can't remember his a relative of his is a young young kid, and we we bonded over how mint uh, how mint Ben Marshall was. Oh yeah, but they came down for the not day Gary Medine. It didn't come up. I don't think. I think it was oh. just like, oh yeah, yeah, he did play for us as well. I think it was a bit like that. Oh. So, um, and I I he, he was there like, you know, this is big for us. You guys can. You guys can come do it another time, but this is the only chance for us. <laughs> kind of sorry, sorry we ruined, sorry. We ruined the party. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh well, yeah. Um, so I, actually, I said I was going to do chronological order, and then I've I've broken that already. So sorry about that. But um, no this is uh, just again to uh, mention Sue's once more. I think a, a big moment for me in terms of getting to know and love that 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 historic Wednesday team <laughs> and um, a big moment in her being converted. We we went along to Wrexham is one of our one of our local games. Uh, Wrexham is several several times we 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 we've visited Wrexham the the race course to um, help them rally. Uh, and stay in the football league, uh, mm. which which was a long time ago now because they've been a long time down in the down in the the dusty stuff, um, and hopefully now the, with their big their big Hollywood uh, owners, the big uh, the big Mac and uh, Deadpool, Mac and Deadpool combo. Yes. Yeah, uh, maybe the glory days are on their way back to uh, to Wrexham, um, but. Yeah, before, so I think this is probably a kind of a high point for Wrexham being in, in League One, strangely. Um, and it, making me feel very old, Darren Ferguson was in the midfield for them, uh, which seems unbelievable now. Uh, but uh, basically, yeah, so we went to the Wrexham game in the in the home end. Uh, we were sat in their sort of their nicest stand, <laughs> um, fairly f- far apart from other people so we could have our own mutterings although we didn't go as far as uh, be as quite as coarse as celebrating but Wednesday won 3-0 and it's it's really rather fun to to get your schadenfreude quite so fresh from the source being in the in the home end as a, as an away team just thoroughly mincing your opposition is is really quite a treat uh, and if you can sit on your hands I would recommend it to to anyone um as a, as a delicious little experience. But McLean scored first. Chris Brunt scored an amazing free kick. And Adam Proudlock, who I did really used to like, um, a, a bit of a divisive figure in uh, at the time or, or in, the, in the near future from there. Um, Adam Proudlock rounded things off. So just, yeah, I, I mean, not probably not the most amazing game of football, but a, a good team, a good performance, scoring at the right, time uh brunt's goal was very sort of pivotal as to when it came and uh yeah just very enjoyable being in in the home end and having your your team win away so yeah that's my that's my third number what's up next for you luke so we we finished the trilogy of match day memories for me the return of the jedi yes exactly and we're going to go a slightly different kind of mentality here and I, I think there's a few different Wednesday memories that don't kind of naturally involve things on the pitch for us mm. I'm, I'm interested to see on your if your list if you if you have any of these so if any popular beverage would ever sponsor different gravy then would have to say that coca-cola would be the beverage of choice for rich and i firstly mm. it's a sickly sweet caffeinated drink that has put me clearly massively overweight and kept me going through many a time Secondly, if it was not for the drink sponsorship of the Football League and the beautiful reward scheme Coke Zone, then Rich and I would have not re- might have not been re- reunited in our friendship. <laughs> you see, Coke Zone was a reward scheme with our giveaways for five pairs of match day home tickets to every Football League match, 
enough on the reward account, heavy and chubby, liver and bone impaired Luke and Rich, <laughs> would swing tickets nine times out of ten by pumping the old Coke Zone trick to swing some cushy South Stand prizes. <laughs> so I'm glad to say on a couple of occasions, Rich and I managed to be fortuitously sat next to each other, and fate gave us a seed planted for yet another bloody Sheffield Wednesday podcast. <laughs> I now have the perfect place to admit my biggest pride and my biggest shame. Yes, listeners, you may or may not be surprised to learn I massively swamped entries for two once-in-a-lifetime competitions that you'll probably think should be won by a child and not a 27-year-old man-child. <laughs> the first of these is my, one of my finest five Wednesday memories I'll share today on the 100th podcast episode. The first was a training day with a football club, and Rich and I swan down to Middlewood Road to hang out with the 20... 2010-2011 new season riffraff and Alan Irvin. <laughs> I have a lot of scattershot memories of that really, really sweet day. And mm. I'll try to recount the best ones here. Luke and Rich discovered that the club has top-class facilities, but does the odd ice bath by filling a wheelie bin with ice cubes. <laughs> Luke and Rich discovered the attempts of someone at the club to try and defend the reputation of Francis Jeffers were hugely unsuccessful. <laughs> Darren Potter is really that boring in real life. James O'Connor is a charming diamond in real life, as we imagined. <laughs> Luke and Rich get possibly the most depressive ever sh depressing ever shot of Wednesdayites with Lee Grant before he was flogged. <laughs> On top of being likable in person, Irvin also had the nous to reject the offer of a Sheffield Wednesday-themed number plate for his Land Rover. <clears throat> Luke managed to somehow hold off on the homoerotic, homoerotic attraction for Tommy Spur by awkwardly touching the small of his back and thankfully not touching his ass during a photo opportunity. And the most embarrassing thing that has happened in Luke's Wednesday night fandom and the reason I don't think we should ever talk to a footballer on the podcast after he proclaimed to Clinton Morrison, I can't wait to watch you bang them in League One, was met with immediate embarrassment of Clint and then the future embarrassment that Morrison was complete rubbish for the entirety of his Wednesday career. A top day all round, though perfectly succeeded by the front page news the next day of the star that the club was in deep financial doo-doo. We have victories as Wednesdayites, but these are never for too long. Oh, dear. I've got to say that is one of my top five Wednesday. I mean, <laughs> this is sort of kid in the count. Yeah, being, being our, by our own insular selves, um, Lots of awkwardness added in, but there's an element of being a kid in the candy shop, just being at middle of the road, <laughs> seeing everything, and like it's, and yeah, even getting through um, our own sort of yeah layers and layers of, of introvert awkwardness. Uh, meeting pretty much every player was amazing. Um, mm. Just little things, I think, like um, Lindsay at the club yeah. sort of talking Wednesday. us through yeah. like the, the system for fines and things like that. she brought the pay slips i think for the week and she was like yeah so if they get a yellow card they do this if they get a red card. um <laughs> just i love all that sort of like uh yeah that little peek behind the curtain sort of thing and getting to go into the um the big sort of inflatable tent pitch and things like that. yes oh. Just so good. Uh, my personal embarrassing moment was for far too long in the lead up to that, I believed that we were actually going to be taking part in the training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't I didn't actually count you on that. I don't know. Maybe I was awkward enough to not know how to tell you that, <laughs> you know, we're not going to be putting on putting on some uh, football socks and, uh, and trying to 
trying to trying to get a challenge on Marcus Tugay or something like this. Or... <laughs> well, I was worried because I I do have a, a left knee made entirely of biscuits, but not like probably something like very very crumbly like Viennese or something like that. So I was kind of I was <laughs> I was worried about. How how we, how we would hold up, but um, mm. yeah, of course, of course, they did not let two giant 20, 20 somethings lumber about with these expensive professional footballers. Yeah, yeah, we just got to watch them. We just got to watch them do some drills and play some games from the side, right? <laughs> the thought of it is very, very funny and silly now. But at the mm. time, I don't know why I thought that was something that might... Well, I believed in the power of Coca-Cola. And mm. my own personal sort of... Amongst the pantheon of, of Coke products, Diet Coke is very much the uh, the idol I, I, I kneel towards. Um, <laughs> Coke on 5pm every, every evening. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So, right, where are we up to with these memories right here? I've just done my fourth. So You've I just done your fourth. Number four for you. Number eight of the overall ten. And fourth mm. of Richie Miller's wet special favourite Wednesday memories. Well, so it's similar It's similar to the Pigs game in a way. But Tramier away during that season was a, was a real treat. On a personal level... I think we had a very enjoyable time in in the town of Tramia. I can't quite remember where. I think we ate in the little like greasy spoon cafe. I think we did. Yes, yes. Good memory. Which felt very civilized. And do you, do you remember when we went to? We really wanted to. Uh, <laughs> we went to Rochdale away, and we thought it'll be really nice because Rich and I are. Um, we like to think of ourselves as yeah. as kind of food like food. Yeah. Um, but I think we just we just like we just like really nice burgers, don't we, Rich? Yes, yes, we do. So yeah. we tried to go. We tried to find a place in Rochdale to go to. Oh yeah. But it was, but it, we couldn't do it because of the because of the EDL rally that was in Rochdale on that day. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I do remember. Oh, visiting visiting small Lancashire towns. <laughs> well, traveller, you may have to combat with an EDL rally. Yeah. 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 If you can make it past the EDL rallies, you know, <laughs> find a lovely time in Rochdale. <laughs> we went down to Burnley and stayed the previous weekend, as we knew the EDL rally would uh, <laughs> provide some difficult sort of. Oh dear! You can save on the heating because the fires at the EDL rally will keep toasty warm all weekend long. <laughs> <laughs> is that maple wood no no it's hate ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah Tramir away um most of these are i mean not all of these are victories pretty much apart from the uh, the draw with united so um this was another one a come from behind the illustrious Jose Baxter scoring the, the initial goal for Tramia Rovers and uh, sending their fans into raptures. Uh, we had the fun of... they've Ryan Lowe has a some sort of checkered history with the people of Tramia. Um, 
I think because he is he's he's local vaguely, um, and he was getting absolute pelters as he warmed up and really really enjoying it, uh, doing such a sort of deep stretch of his groin right in front of the Tramier fans that it, it couldn't be anything but a, a, a sort of mick take that uh, it, it couldn't have been serving any physiological purpose not not certainly not a good one uh but yeah again sort of coming from behind chris line scoring just uh just as we went to half time and then and then ryan lowe himself having got all of those all of that hate uh nodding in from a from a chris line's delivery at, at a corner as well um just a real treat and a really nice uh, i mean it's a not it was a nice day mm. uh enjoying the day out and then also enjoying the football that went along with it i have to say with uh with uh our friend the rona an away day is something i am hankering very uh very very strongly after mm-hmm. as we mentioned the farts the hugs maybe winning <laughs> maybe winning. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not been embarrassed yeah. yeah number five luke number five Unless so, you've got anything to share on Tramia, but yeah, I'm presuming. That was lovely. Did you, did you I maybe zoned out a little bit while I was getting my kind of thoughts together, <laughs> so I do apologise. Okay. Did you, did you talk about Ryan Lowe? I did talk about Ryan Lowe and his his deep, deep yeah. uh, stretches of his groin right in front of the Tramia fans who were losing the, their minds. Fantastic. That's I think fantastic. he weirdly in this kind of dog-eat-dog world of football. I think he actually ended up, eventually he did actually play some games for Tramere at some point, but they hated him. Uh, I he think he played for like to, almost every other local club. He did seem to flit around in that kind of Merseyside, <clears throat> that, that Merseyside area, didn't he really? Yeah. And now he's a, a manager at large. <clears throat> are you Are you a lower league Merseyside club? <laughs> Ryan Lowe. <laughs> yes, I mean Chester. So he's at Chester twice. He's also mm. at Crew and Stockport and Berry. So I think Chester must be. I think there's a bit of rivalry. Chester and Tramier. I think there's a bit of needle there. Mm-hmm. So that's where he he will have built up built up those wells of hate. But yeah, he did go on to 2013, 2014. He did actually end up playing for Tramia Rovers and got a good scoring record. 45 played and 19 scored. He, yeah. He, Not he a was very much the man, wasn't he? For, yeah. for lower league goals. Was around low. He knew, knows his way around a lower league net. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he um, he hits the pitch. Next thing you know, we got low, 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 oh, low. <laughs> did, did did get the whole pitch looking at him when he bagged, when he bagged that tramway. He did, mm-hmm. and they were all looking at him even before he hit the pitch. But once he hit the pitch, he really killed them. <laughs> exactly. He gave them some mm. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Final 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 from- final memory from Luke. So the final. Sheffield Wednesday memory for me again is is probably linked to the last one I shared, and you know you may not be surprised that to learn that there was another great Wednesday competition which I also abused heavily and disappointed everyone involved with not being a small wide-eyed boy, but a young man at the age where I probably should know better. 
still quite wide-eyed. Mm. That actually led an employee of, of, of Wednesday who, who took us round and who I think even had a hand in looking after us for the first thing to proclaim to me that I, I must have some luck with these competitions, <laughs> to which I nervously laughed. This allows me and to be accompanied by a friend, and who else would I pick but the excellent Richie Miller, to flip the coin before a Wednesday match, and the best news that this was the next season, so I had the great honour of flipping the coin between Wednesday and the now-defunct Berry Football Club for Dave Jones's first match of his meteoric rise to promotion. Oh. I'd like to say that the 6th of March 2012 has been forever etched into my memory, but I did have to Google it. <laughs> Rich arrived and we dined on a savagely lovely three-course meal. Then I was taken out into the center circle of pitch and got to mildly duff up the hallowed turf in my finest pair of brogues and had the great joy of turning my head to see Samido doing his cool and weird jumping crouch style warm-up. I still recall very much that memory from this and a fair degree of fanboyness. I was as a little starstruck. Mm. I then did the weakest coin fl flip in front of the ref, Rob Jones, and Barry Captain Steven Schumacher. Luckily, we won the flip from my toss of a large plastic coin, and so it wasn't a complete disaster. Rich and I then went back to our swanky South Stand seats and watched Mickey and Antonio have an absolute stormer whilst, oh, yeah. whilst Dave Jones wore his very questionable glasses. <laughs> Those glasses were there was a couple of things for Dave Jones early doors. You know, knowing knowing that his yes. reputation precedes him. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the first game, you know, he did that thing where he was appointed but he wasn't in the he wasn't in charge for the first game. Yes. And I yeah. remember him saying on the radio on the radio that, you know, he'd watch the first half and see if they see if he needed to go down and give them a little tickle at time. Yes. And then, yeah, those glasses, those kind of like, not shades, but slightly shady <laughs> glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot how good a game that was. Mm. Yeah, was we absolutely, absolutely creamed them 4-1, didn't we? Yeah, it was an absolute spanking, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And Because they battered us. Hadn't they beaten us 5-1 at their place? I don't think Barry did, did he? Wasn't oh, they, I think they, they beat us. That was, I think they beat us by two or three nil or something. That was, that was Ryan Lowe, wasn't it? That's kind of... Was that Ryan Lowe? I think Ryan Lowe scored a free kick against us. I think he might have got a brace against us. Yeah. Was, the, it, was it Mike Jones was their winger? Mike Jones was their winger who we signed and then did nothing for us. Did nothing for us, but I, I, <laughs> I just... I seem to... Sorry, apologies for that noise, but um, let me see. I do, uh, sorry about this, folks. Mm. But... Uh, can I just uh, finish off while yes, you Yes, please do. Sorry. Okay. The only sad element to this is the fact that I was promised a photo of me flipping the coin that Steve Ellis would have taken, and it never arrived. Oh, no. At one point, I contacted the gentleman, Chris, at the club, and he promised that Steve was looking for it but couldn't find the memory stick it was on. A fact that was corroborated by Nelis Bravandi that, in his words, I imagine Steve Ellis has more memory sticks than you've had hot dinners. <laughs> By the decency of Chris, and I must kind of attribute this, he did offer for me to come back and do that toss again as a way of apology. But I'd since moved to Calgary, and I think he moved on since. I did try to contact the club to no great effect, and I hilariously only once received some announcement of some company winning some element of a catering contract to the club. Oh, well. Wow. Ah, oh, a little tinge of sadness at the end there. It was just it was bit, one yeah. right, but I think it was just unexpected to uh, for us to have gone there and got beat because we were... We were Megson's mighty, mighty men. 
so my memory of that is so strange. I don't know what, I, almost like I was in a daze the whole time. Obviously, I didn't, we didn't actually like do the coin toss together, but I, I went onto the pitch and stood next to some, you know, dignitaries or whatever, um, whilst, whilst you did the toss. Mm. Uh, and I thought you did a really fine job. I've always <laughs> said you're a really, you're a tosser. And, and I think you really <laughs> said you always, always sell anyone. You're a massive tosser. Yeah, well, tell you what, but, yeah, my mate Luke. He's a I feel like tosser. me and you are going towards a uh, towards what is it the uh... <laughs> my mother-in-law. No. Oh no, who's the who's the guy who in, who uh, interviewed the Bee Gees? Oh, um... Anderson. Yes, yes, yes. Clive Anderson. And Clive Anderson, who said very similar things about them, <laughs> and then that kind of curtailed the interview. But yeah. I'm I'm going to stick around despite the fact you called oh, me a massive I'm glad, but yeah, it was it was sort of, it's a very um, dreamlike thing of wandering onto the pitch. I found the whole thing very overwhelming. Mm. Um, I I remember ga- feeling that Gary Medine looked far away, even though he was quite close to me. That's that's something that really stuck in my mind for some stupid reason. <laughs> but I think I was just very worried about like where I was supposed to be standing and not getting in the way of things not accidentally injuring any of the players. Mm. Oh, so Mike Jones played for us. in. So he'd starred in the previous game for them and then played for us in the, in the return. Ah, oh, I'm putting things together here. Mm-hmm. No, I remember we signed him and he was supposed to be a promising winger. And then I think he played against Charlton. That was his debut. It was yeah. a home game against Charlton. But did we draw one all? I think I remember him looking all right in that in the game against very but that being it basically hmm that was sort of the high point the high watermark of a pretty uh nothingy time at the club <clears throat> so i'm torn because so my, uh, for my final one i think i've spoken in previous in in recent episodes and this episode about the playoff semi-final with brighton so i don't want to go over that again necessarily <clears throat> uh, and i also talked about Wembley and the, the singing after the game mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm going to go for my last one, it's going to be another away day, it's weird there's a lot of away days mm. here, it's going to be Birmingham away and this would be on the 6th of February 2016 a real masterclass from Gary Hooper uh, another come from behind victory Um Another sort of fairly good day, all told, but absolutely bucketing down. I, I remember being very worried during the game and, and even sending you a picture, Luke, of like the roller that they were trying to use to try and desperately suck up some bits of moisture from the pitch because it was sodden. <laughs> um, and the, and in, in parts of the pitch, the ball was really holding up. So that even to the point once we'd... So we, we went behind at half time, uh, just at, just before half time. That was sort of Tom, a bit of a Tom Lee's error, uh, but Clayton Donaldson scored for them. And then the whole of the second half was just us laying siege to their their goal, and eventually getting two really really classy goals from Gary Hooper in the seventy seventh and the seventy ninth minute. Uh, but even after that, in the 80th minute, I feel like the the rain came on again, and we were we were worrying about they might actually call this off. <laughs> even this late in the day, they might mm. call this off because it was so so heavy. 
but again, but again, it was just lovely football. Uh, Bannon was heavily involved in what the um, Hooper's goal from outside of the box was just gorgeous and uh, lovely play from Bannon to make it happen and, and just a tremendous thundering finish from from Hooper. Um, and uh, as we talked about, sort of memories getting layered up uh, and and added to over the over the years. Um, the 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 vivid that we've all seen the photo of the so Birmingham City they have this weird thing where there are boxes in the away end I don't know why you would ever do that but out of some desperation to claw in some extra revenue they've got corporate boxes in the away end so everybody's seen the picture of the <laughs> Birmingham City fan who was giving yeah. it laldi at half time when they were one nil up and then his face of sheer horror, uh, his jowly, jowly face of sheer horror as uh, as Hooper not only equalised, but then scored the winner, uh, with, uh, was just added to the, the charm of things. I can't... I, so now, looking back, I remember seeing him on the day, but I don't know if I was that close to that window. <laughs> I remember being aware of those windows and what a weird decision it was to have those those boxes in the away end. Uh, and people, you know, banging on the glass as they do. We've talked, you know, people are awful. We touched on this. Uh, there's glass, they're going to bang it. Um, <laughs> so I remember being aware of that. I don't remember if I saw the guy particularly, but it was such a brilliant face he pulled <laughs> when they when they went behind. And uh, tremendous atmosphere, singing the Gary Hooper song, which is one of the very best songs of recent years. Uh, one you'll approve of, Luke, as a as a big mode head. <laughs> what you call yourselves? We always call ourselves that. Yeah, we just uh, we were just having the annual annual mode head convention just the other day. Joe DePesci's. Joe. De- <laughs> yes, yes, that too as well. I mean, uh, how am I gothic? How am I eighties gothic? <laughs> Oh dear, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, did you? I, would that would you would have been following from afar, I guess, on that day. I was, yeah. I don't because it, it was that weird. It was also a really annoying season just before. Oh, before it was just the- so beautiful and so incredible, and there was no, there was no coverage on iFollow. It was the next season, uh, which was the Carlos hangover season, mm. and then that kind of was like just in true kind of obvious Wednesday and I follow fashion just led with a defeat away at Preston, which was felt like a preseason game and they didn't have any commentary. So it was just the audio of the crowd, but I had to mute it because it was out of sync. It was just so bad. Yeah. Like you need to, I understand that things have an infancy and they need to grow, but it was just, just awful and just such a poor Wednesday performance on top of that like really excited for the beginning of the season like anybody is and it was just such a bad performance away at away at Preston oh yeah such a limp dicked nothing performance the other the other thing with that Birmingham game um is it's one of the many Westwood coming off early or coming off before kickoff. So in the 18th minute, Westwood was injured and Lewis Price came in for him. Lewis Price hadn't done anything. He hadn't even played in the cup for us. <laughs> so we were really mm. dreading it. 
<laughs> Lewis Price. Ugh. So that that also adds to it, doesn't it? When you sort of like your expectations have been lowered so much. And uh, Hutch went off injured in the 22nd minute. Uh, so, yeah, it, I think he'd been playing centre-back as well. So just just all these, like, we've got no chance X, Y and Z has happened. And then uh, and then we, we turned it all around. Got to be said also, another game turned around when good old Atty Nuiu came on for uh, Aidan McGeady. Oh, still miss you, Atty. Mm. So... That's our memories. That's that's them. What's um? Were there any were there any near misses, Rich? Near miss. Well, well I sort off. of I sort of used a burned through most of mine. I think in the end, mm-hmm. with one thing or another. So I think I've mentioned I've mentioned all of my. I had eight sort of put aside, and I think I've mentioned all eight now. Hmm. How about you? How do how do we? You know, the really interesting thing was kind of looking back and. Thank you to everyone who contributed. Thank you. I was just thinking about Paul's mm. um, <clears throat> Paul's email from before. And, you know, the thing that, like, even some of the worst times kind of have very striking memories for us. Yeah. And then in a weird way, they kind of take a, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's, like, uh, you know, that's uh, Paul's memory, but it's also Paul's memory of, you know, sharing with his, with his dad, right? Yeah. So, um like you know, because I was thinking about some of the other Wednesday memories, which are kind of fun and kind of striking, but they're not they're not good ones. Yeah. You know, like I, I yeah. think about you know what was the you know when I kind of like looked like we were going to go out of business, and yes. then we went to there was a protest about what was going on at the club or what was not going on at the club, and Howard Wilkinson coming out under the south stand. Yes, yeah, reading his little statement. Yeah, and then, you know, the fan who classically asked about why why does Gary Teal have a two-seater Bentley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I, th- I think two-seater Bentley is still, still kind of a word in the Wednesday fan lexicon. It, it is, you know? definitely, isn't it? It is. It is. So, like, even sometimes some of the bad times are still kind of oddly... Oddly fondly remembered, thankfully. Though, I think, now, yeah, now. I can see that. And I, I think also now, because we've had this season where there's been calls for fan action and there's been, obviously there's many reasons why I think that hasn't happened, um, not least Panny D. Um, but I do remember, you know, do, going along to sack the board protests. I remember... Uh, I remember the hype around the black balloon protest. I don't really remember it particularly, but I remember the hype and some of the backlash. Um, but those moments where they do end up being historic in one way or another, they do stick with you. And I think feeling that you could change, you were, you did change or you were part of a change is quite quite a thing. Mm. Mm. I, thought I also wonder about the time that... Like I participated in a bucket collection for, uh, for Sid. Oh yeah, the Wednesday who had a very bad time away at Hartlepool. Yeah, and that kind of feels oddly powerful for me because it just just makes me think that like <sighs> a little bit teary here. Uh, you know, if if something like that happened to any one of us, I think there'd probably be a you know support from yeah the Wednesday family. You know. 
Yeah. And also that was capped off by that was the League Cup. No, it was the JPT win over Chesterfield. And it was the Nicky Weaver penalty heroics. Oh. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Yeah, there's something special about a goalkeeper scoring from a penalty. I still remember Pressman against Wolves. I do like to think that uh, former Wednesday, probably Wednesday I turncoat, Harry Maguire probably knew how to lever that penalty in in the final <laughs> penalty defeat against Italy, thanks to probably seeing Kevin Pressman levering a penalty. <laughs> probably. Uh, probably. Yeah, I know you I know what you mean. I think that's how the uh, the, the in terms of the the, the the wider Wednesday family football fraternity sort of thing. Um those moments are are moving and uh and stick with you as well. Uh I will say, well, I'll try and end this on a slight positive because it's going to take a bit sad turn. Um, <laughs> I would say a reject uh, one thing that didn't make the cup, but now I, I, I've mentioned this before. It was one of my favourite Wednesday goals. But being away with you at uh, Oldham when we saw when we saw Prutton's oh yes Prutton's balletic balletic piece of exquisite finishing that was that was something huge for me. Yeah, gorgeous kung fu style goal. <laughs> good old pro. Mm. No, that was, that was a good. That's a good memory as well. That was a good memory, and we did have some great celebrations with randos as part of that, which is yes. just fantastic. Oh, those days will be back. We'll celebrate with randos again. It'll happen. <laughs> Hey, we'll we'll celebrate something again. That surely that will happen at some point. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Well, mm-hmm. different. I mean, I think it wouldn't be different gravy without a sort of weirdly sad ending. You know, we wouldn't be true to us, true to the podcast we've been for a hundred episodes now, uh, if we didn't, if we if we didn't have a weird twist in the end. So thank you so much for people who, who have taken the time to listen uh, as, as we've gone through. Thank you for people who've made kind comments and uh, left reviews on iTunes. Uh, it, it's, it's been bizarrely coincidental how often Luke or I or Luke and I have been having a wobble or a moan and then something nice comes through and really gives us a boost and shows us we've been being silly beggars um about things and so thank you so much for for people who've done that uh you've you've you sort of helped more than you possibly could know at times so thank you so much for that and um and also thank you for people that have maybe listened to the podcast and hate the podcast for not telling us because we wouldn't react well to it uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for keeping your thoughts to you. And um, finally, just thank you, Luke. It's a, it's. I always feel better after we talk things through, even on the darkest of days for Wednesday. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for being you. And uh, yeah, here's here's to some more of this waffly nonsense. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rich. I, it's it's a weird. Angle that I think me and you have that it's this kind of I think we'd always be friends, but I think it's 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 probably bolstered our friendship a lot more to 
kind of be in contact when people are people are moving to different countries and they live in their lives on the other side of the world and stuff. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Cheerio, folks. Have a good night, everybody.